everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, and oh my lanta, holy chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Today, I am bringing to you one of my favorite animal movies that I first saw when I was 13. I remember... Wait, was it 13 or 14? 7th or 8th grade? Maybe it was 8th grade. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The movie I want to cover is Born to be Wild. This came out in 1995. Well, if that's the case, then it had to have been 7th grade. When did this come out? Hold on, I want to double check. So it was released, if I can find the release date here. March 31st, 1995. Oh, okay, yes, then that makes sense, because in 1995, I did go into 7th grade. Okay, problem solved. Okay. So let me read you the synopsis. Margaret teaches a gorilla sign language, etc. When the gorilla owner takes it back to make money from shows, Margaret's rebellious teenage son steals it. They're off on a road trip to the Canadian border. Okay, this one is a little bit, this next summary is a lot better. Rick Heller is a juvenile delinquent who keeps getting himself into trouble. To keep him, him out of trouble, his mother puts him to work cleaning the cage of a gorilla named Katie. Katie, which she is teaching to communicate through the use of sign language. When the owner of the gorilla takes her back to become a flea market freak, ouch, more like a flea market like sideshow act. Just puts her in a cage for people to gawk at and point at. Rick takes it upon himself to break Katie out and take her on, a, on an adventurous journey to get her out of the country. And I wanted to want to basically cover this so it'll come out on Earth Day. Kind of like when I did The Secret Garden. Like, hey, it's April. I At that point when I put that movie review out, we were, you know, coronavirus... I wasn't working at the time due to, you know, my place of employment being shut down at the time. But anyway, yeah, I'm like, I was thinking about, because I'm doing the Free Willy trilogy, I'm doing that for the summer. So it's going to be June, July, and August, Free Willy, Free Willy 2, and Free Willy 3. Granted, it's not the greatest, I know. But only, honestly, I don't think I watched it. After I saw it in the theater. I don't think I... I really don't think I watched it on, like, VHS or a rental or anything. Like, the two big ones are the two, but I want to cover the third one because I haven't seen it in ages. So this episode's got a 5.1 out of 10 based on 1,539 ratings. This has Will Horniff playing Rick Heller. We have Helen Shaver as... Margaret Heller, Rick's mom. You may recognize her voice. She actually does the voice for Littlefoot's, Littlefoot's mom in the Land Before Time movie. Let's see. We also have John C. McGinley as Uncle Max Carr. He is actually on that show Scrubs. I'm trying to remember. Like, who did he play? Yeah, he plays Dr. Perry Cox. Okay. We also have the late Peter Boyle playing Gus Charnley. He is Katie's original quote-unquote owner. He's the one who takes her back and puts her in his flea market 
sideshow. We also have familiar face Tom Wilson, Detective Lou Greenberg. <laughs> this movie's like a cast of characters. Yes, of course you all know him as Biff Tannen from the Back to the Future movies. We also have Alan Ruck as attorney Dan Woodley. Honestly, guys, you're not going to see this guy until the last quarter of the movie. Let's see, I'm trying to see if there's anyone else here who is a familiar face. And I'm really not seeing anyone else. So this movie was directed by John Gray. Writers Paul Young and John Bunzel both wrote, you know, the screenplay. Let's see. Yeah, at the time, there are other movies that came out around the time. Amazing Panda Adventure. Another movie I want to cover on the podcast that does star Will Horniff. It's the remake of The The Yearling, which that movie came out in 1994, which I'd never seen the Gregory Peck version of The Yearling, but I remember one Christmas my mom did get me The Yearling on VHS because at the time... I wasn't getting DVDs till I was an adult, and that was like 2001, two, no, 2002, when I got a DVD player for Christmas. Uh, another one, Monkey Trouble, love to cover that, Gordy, a lot, a lot of animal movies, guys. Far From Home, I know I said I was going to cover that one last spring, I didn't get around to it. Dunson Checks In is another one that I would love to cover, because I do, I've never seen it, so that would be fun. Fluke. Another dog movie, which it's got uh, an interesting plot to it. Shiloh's another one that I have that I would love to... Andre is another one. Yeah, just a lot of animal... I, guys, I grew up on animal movies, big time. 90s kids sports movies, animal movies, family... You name it. So, yeah. Let's see if there's any trivia. There's got to be trivia. There's got to be. Okay, here we go. This film is dedicated to the memory of Steve, is it Jero, J-E-R-R-O? At approximately 3125, Thomas F. Wilson's character, Detective Lou Greenberg, and his partner approach Gus Charnley by Peter, Peter Boyle, played by Peter Boyle. After realizing the attitude of Gus, Detective Greenberg looks to his partner and says the word butthead, then looks back at Charnley. Thomas F. Wilson is popularly known for playing Biff Tannen in the, Back, in the Back to the Future series. Biff Tannen uses the word butthead approximately nine times collectively in the Back to the Future. All right, the island Rick and Katie go to is... It's O-A-H-U. I'm not sure that... Um, we got some goofs. The apple that Katie takes from the duffel bag is still green, but the one she picks up and then hands to Rick is mostly red. Continuity, the rock that Katie climbs at the beach is far inland on the shore. The water shouldn't be more than ankle deep when she... F I'm not even going to mention it because I probably already spoiled you. Um, a gorgeous song that I love that plays at the very end of the movie, One World for Us. Gosh, I love that. I love that. And that's what... Ooh, taglines. Okay. The story of a 15-year-old boy and one incredible gorilla on the road to freedom. What do you do when your best friend's a 400-pound gorilla? Anything she likes. I actually got this movie as a birthday gift along with um, Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. I got that for my mom for my, my birthday. But I got, um, oh, God, 
this, <laughs> I just remembered. Yeah, this is one of the times I had my birthday at the farm. And, you know, at my grandparents' house. And this is another case. It happened when I was eight years, turning eight, with The Little Mermaid. My dad got me a copy. My mom got me a copy. My dad returned his copy. And then he ended up getting me a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Which I've covered all three Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years and Wonder Years podcast. They're not family-friendly, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, my aunt got me the Born to be Wild VHS, and my dad also did. So, sure enough, I mean, I don't even think, my dad probably got me something. I don't know what else he would have gotten me, but, uh, yeah. So, yes, it looks like, when was this? Okay, this was released March 31st, 1995. So, it was a spring release. I'm trying to see if they're, okay, so it looks like opening weekend of 1,657,008 grossed 3,730,409. Well, it made some of it, maybe twice what it made opening weekend, I guess. So, and I'm going to go on record here. It's, I don't understand. This is just my kid-like mind when I was 13, I guess. Not really thinking that Katie could have been played by a person in a gorilla suit. I most likely thought that she was a real gorilla. I really did. I really did. It just never occurred to me that she wasn't a real gorilla. Don't worry. This will be a podcast, of course, for all ages. That's why it's, I'm putting it on the Punky Power podcast. The Only Land to Holy Chalupas podcast so you guys can listen to it. And, of course, the Wonder Years podcast. So, I believe, I did say on, a, I think, one of the Full House podcasts I did, being it's the 30th anniversary coming up in April of the Beethoven movie, and yes, even though I already covered it for the Looking Back on My Wonder Years, it was not an all-ages-appropriate podcast episode. Neither is Beethoven's second. That's why I'm, because I, I, did that po that podcast episode. I reviewed those movies back in 2019. So I'm excited to go back and be able to watch the movie again, maybe have some new thoughts that didn't occur to me last time. We'll see. We'll see. And I just, I'm excited to be able to give this to everybody to listen to. And then, of course, next year is a 30th anniversary. It's in December, so you're going to be waiting a bit. For the Beethoven second, I'm going to be covering that. That'll be an all ears of all ages podcast, you know, for everybody to listen to. Now, while I'm not going to do that with every movie that I cover, there are some that are just the content is not appropriate for young ears. So, yeah. But when I do, especially, you know, the animal movies and stuff like that, the family movies, guys, they will be, you'll be able to hear them. So, and I'm making the decision, even though the All My Land to Holy Chalupa SoundCloud, you know, that podcast is strictly Full House. I'm like, well, I know you guys that probably only listen to the Full House podcast on the Full House SoundCloud page. I want to give you guys an opportunity to be able to hear some 
you know, movie reviews and stuff like that. And, you know, reminisce with me, especially those of you that grew up watching these movies when you, we, you know, when you were kids. We were all, you know, kids in the 80s and 90s and stuff like that. So, without further ado, let's jump into Born to be Wild. And I'm going to say, I actually did have a little bit of, after seeing this movie especially, and then The Yearling, I had a little bit of a crush on Will Horner. He... Honestly, I don't think he made it too much into the teen um, magazines too much. I really don't think he did. Maybe a couple pictures here and there. I don't think I ever had. None of the magazines I got had pictures of him. I'll say that. Because if they did, he would have been on my wall along with Devin Sawa. His, Devin Sawa's pictures, mind you, not the actual human person. So, All right, let's get into Born to be Wild, everybody. Oh, wow. I have to listen to that sometime. I didn't know there's commentary by, um, the direct... Well, it doesn't... I don't think that's... Let me go back here. What is this? It's my, uh... Let me see here. John Gray, so the director and the writer, of course. Excuse me. Honestly, now that I think about it, because... I'm going to be honest, this whole part where Katie is a young baby gorilla, gets captured and taken over the U.S., and I normally would fast forward through this part to get to the, anyway, um, looking on it now, I wouldn't be surprised if all of these were all just people in, uh, monkey suits. Or costumes. So, we meet Peter Boyle's character... I always thought it was Charlie, but it's Charnley, C-H-A-R-N-L-E, whatever. So, yeah, this guy is in an expensive suit and hat, smoking a cigar. He's handing money to the animal handler and also the vet who's checking with a stethoscope just to make sure Katie's okay. Like, she survived the journey and everything, making sure her heart and her lungs sound good. And he, not, he, he, the guy does not look like he wants to be there. He doesn't look comfortable with this. He probably, is like, this is not right. But, of course, does what he's told to do. And uh, now we're going to move on to Teenage Rick, who is, we find out, skipping school and driving his mom's car and being chased by cops. Oh, I'm sorry. It no, it says two years later. Okay. These cars, the, well, the police car and the car that Rick is driving, which is basically a station wagon, they're really hauling butt through this. On uh, it's like a an underpass. It's like some road where there's clearly not a lot of traffic. So Rick ditches the car and just takes off running. He tries to jump a fence. Of course, he gets caught. And the cop who's running after him is like, Stop! Get back here! And before he even gets to the fence, he's like throwing boxes in into the cop's way and everything like that. So, yeah, he's hanging there by that fence. He's got a hooded jacket on. He's like, Wow, you guys, that was intense. You guys are getting a lot faster. Then he sees a cop that is, like, right behind him on the other side of the fence, and he sticks his thumb and like, hey, how's it going? So, yeah, his mom's phone out, uh, bailing him out, Metropolitan Police, and she yell, she threatens, she says, next time I'm not coming down here to pick you up. 
They can keep you for a few days. I'll get some peace. And Rick is being a smart mouth. He's like, oh, I was just practicing for my road test. And she tells him, your road test is two years away. And Rick, of course, again, being a smart mouth, is like, hey, what can I say? I'm an overachiever. And she looks at him, hey, don't be smart with me. And then he's throwing it in her face saying, oh, you used to have a sense of humor. And she sticks a finger in his face and says, you are skating on thin ice, pal. You know the rules. You're supposed to be in school. You're supposed to stay out of trouble. And then she brings up, you know, his dad. The fact that, you know, if your dad were here and Rick says, well, he's not here, is he? She mentions it's been hard enough since your father walked out on us. If he were here and Rick's like, well, he's not here. It's like, dude, that does not give you an excuse to be ditching school and just taking the family car or whosoever car that is out for a joyride. Because, <sighs> yeah, his mom's got the van, the research van. Yeah, she even pleads with him. I need you to help me. And she's, before Rick cuts her off, she says, if he were here, you know, he wouldn't be tolerating this. You wouldn't be acting this way. And it, it just seems like the trope of, oh, my dad left, so I'm going to act all angsty because I'm a teenager. And I'm acting out my anger issues. Next time I'm not coming down here to pick you up. They can keep you for a few days. I'll get some peace. I was just practicing for a road test. Your road test is two years away. Hey, what can I say? I'm an overachiever. Don't be smart. And you used to have a sense of humor. You are skating on thin ice, pal. You know the rules. You're supposed to be in school. You're supposed to stay out of trouble. It's been hard enough since your father walked out on us. I need you to help me. If he was here, you know... Yeah, well, he's not here, is he? So now we head to the facility, the research facility, where Rick's mom works. She's basically giving him community service. Like, you're lucky it's not the cop's giving you community service so it's honestly it's not bad it's like your hours are four to six so basically two hours a day five days a week that's not horrible that honestly is not bad so she says you know if you do better at school and if you show some responsibility we'll forget about military school she says if not it's like basically a start like you're doing this, you don't have a choice. And as she said, you know, you're skating on thin, ale, thin ice, so, yeah. And, of course, Rick's like, there's got to be a law or something against this. I'm going to look it up. Like, dude, come on, man. I mean, I know, I'm an adult. I was a kid once, too. A teenager. I had my car taken away from me a handful of times. I love how she throws her words, his words back at him, saying... Oh, and you said I had no sense of humor. <laughs> so we take in this facility, and it kind of, it really makes me think of Coco the Gorilla. If you're not familiar with Coco the Gorilla, go on YouTube, check it out. I remember reading the book Coco's Kitten when I was in, like, first grade. And it's, just, it's amazing, you know, Robin Williams had interacted with Coco, and it just... So it's just a documentary on YouTube and stuff. You get and you see her with the kittens and how you know sweet she is and careful and everything like that. And it's just 
It's so sweet. So sweet. So Rick can't believe what his duties are. Like, oh, I don't believe this. You don't expect me to clean up after that giant hairball, do you? Do you? Do you really? But yeah, so we kind of take in this facility. There is in one section, there is a wall full of books. There's also a whiteboard. There is also a camera on a tripod. A couple cameras on a tripod, really. And then there's also like uh, a Lego setup that looks like it's got, you know, they're just, they're teaching Katie a lot of things, not just you know, sign language, but also other things, you know, they're, they're testing her knowledge and what she can take in and what she, you know, gives back and everything. And Rick's mom says, hey, do not refer to her as a hairball. She has feelings too. Okay, so, and I thought this was like a look for the our early aughts with the long sleeve shirt under the short sleeve shirt, but apparently maybe this even started before 1994-1995. And she says, yes, maintaining her cage is part of your job. So she does have one rule for Rick that is very important. You need to make sure she is secure in her sleep area before you go into her play area and vice versa, all right? You do not ever go into the cage with her. And yeah, Katie shows up speak of the devil, and she bares her teeth at Rick and just slams against the her enclosure. I'll just call it an enclosure. I'm not calling it a cage. And Rick, of course, is like, well, I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. Like, do you think I'm going in there with her? Oh, no. And Rick, who is, <laughs> he and Katie both have attitude problems. He's like, what's your problem? And his mom says, well, she doesn't like people very much. I'm sure you guys will get along famously. Good luck. Bye. So his mom is doing sign language saying, Katie, you remember Rick, don't you? He's going to be working here now. So be nice. Be nice. I think it only works if she's actually looking in your direction. Otherwise... She's not going to know what you're saying. Like, I mean, it, if I were hearing impaired and I relied on sign, sign language, it's not going to help me to understand you if I'm closing my eyes. And she is saying, you know, he's a friend. Friend. Rick is, oh, he's just got a horrible attitude. He's like, uh, I hate to burst your bubble, but she doesn't understand a word you're saying. And the word I think I was looking for was receptive. Like, she was very receptive to... And Rick's mom says, oh, no, she does. She's got a big vocabulary because I've been working with her. She says, I speak as, at the same time as I'm signing to her so she understands spoken words. So she tries to pull Rick into it, and he's not having it. She's come on, why don't you try? Tell her to go to bed, Katie. So I, I guess Rick's, mom, gran, Rick's grandmother might have also been you know, deaf at some point. I don't know. Because she's, oh, come on. You used to do this with Grandma all the time when she was around. He keeps losing people. His dad, his grandma. See why he doesn't like people. <laughs> he has a hard time wanting people around. The heck was that? 
She's like, come on, just try it. And he puts his hand up like he's so going to salute, and he's, like, moving it, like, counterclockwise from his face. He's like, there, are you happy now? And she says, ecstatic, get to work. And, yeah, Katie's, like, pointing at her nose and then pointing at Rick, and Rick's like, hey, wait a minute, what was that? Oh, uh, yeah, apparently that's, yeah, she's pointing at her nose, pointing at Rick, and then pointing downward, and apparently that's a sign for dirty toilet. Like, oh, yeah, she just insulted you. So, again, she goes, growls and bares her teeth, and Rick does the same thing back to her, shuts her right up, like, eh. <laughs> Like, yeah, they definitely have met each other's match, I'll tell you that right now. They are, they are equal to each other in temperament, and just, yeah. Katie lost her family. Her family, she was taken from her family. So she knows about feeling, you know, abandoned and lost. Rick feeling the same way with him, you know, his dad is gone. And he's acting out. And this is, you know, Katie, you know, she didn't ask to come and be, you know, put in a contained space. So yeah, she's angry and she's acting out, you know, her frustrations. Hours are four to six, Monday through Friday. If you do better at school, and if you show some responsibility, you'll forget about military school. If not, it's got to be a larson against this. I'm gonna look it up. You said I had no sense of humor. Tell me. Come on, you don't expect me to clean up after the giant hairball, do you? Please do not refer to her as a hairball. She has feelings, too. And yes, maintaining her cage is part of your job. Come on. Now, you have to make sure that she's secure in her sneak area before you go into her play area, and vice versa, right? You never go into the cage with her. Wouldn't worry about that if I were you. What's her problem? Well, she doesn't like people very much. Guess you two are gonna get along just fine. Katie, you remember Rick, don't you? He's gonna be working here now. So be nice, all right? He's a friend. Friend. I really hate to burst your bubble, but uh, she doesn't understand what you're saying. Oh no, she does. She's got a big vocabulary because I speak at the same time as I'm signing to her, so she understands a lot of spoken words too. Why don't you try? <coughs> Tell her to. Go to bed, Katie. Come on, he used to do this with Grandma all the time when she was around. Just try. Very happy now. Ecstatic. <laughs> Get to work. Let him win, what was that? That's a sign for dirty toilet. She just insulted you. So now we're in the lunchroom at Rick's school, and we got some big guy here kicking a pop machine, and then we hear the lunch monitor say, hey you, leave those machines alone. That lunchroom was filled with kids. I'm surprised that he, that Rick has a table all to himself, and all he has is like a glass bottle of something or other, and on a napkin, he proves, here we see he is a really good artist because he's drawing a picture of Katie. 
Oh, he's got a plate of some really gross-looking school pizza. Blech. And something that looks like it could be, like, lemonade or something to that effect. But that picture's really good. I mean, I'm sure, like, Will Horniff, the actor who plays Rick, can draw the picture himself. But it it's good. It's very detailed. Hey, you hear this lunch monitor saying, hey, no throwing. Cut it out right now. It's like she's not... <laughs> There's no oomph or authority really in her voice. She's like, hey, cut it out. Stop that. So we got these kids. All these kids do not look like they're high school. They look like they're, like, in college. So he's like, hey, move over, butt lick. You're on private property. Because he pulls the seat right out from... Rick's sitting there. The guy, like, yanks the seat out from under him. And he practically falls on the ground. Rick doesn't say anything. He just walks away. Gosh, I can see why Rick skips school. <laughs> it's just, oh, horrible. You got the lunch monitor saying, hey, you, take it outside. Ugh, this place looks like, uh, it just, I don't know. And now we meet another character, redheaded, um, glasses girl. Her name is Lacey. She's hanging out by the recycling bins because Rick passes by her and throws a glass bottle into, like, I think it's, like, the plastic bottle bin or the plastic bin. Oh, it's, no, he throws it into the trash-only bin. And as he passes her, she says, bottles don't go in there, you know. And he turns around like he's offended. He's like, what? She says, bottles don't go in there. They go in the recycling bin. Lacey also, who's by herself at a table with a book open, she's got her other books, she's got what looks like a juice box and parts of an orange. And Rick, of course, oh my gosh, he's not only got an attitude in general, you know, not just with his mom, but now with a classmate he's just spoken to for the first time. He's like, who are you, the garbage monitor? And she says, no, we're all supposed to recycle. And Rick, still copping an attitude, he's like, oh, and what if I don't? And Lacey stands up and goes over to him and says, you prove you have a brain the size of a sesame seed, and I recycle the bottle for you. So Rick takes the sign that says glass only on the trash bin next to it and puts it over the trash only sign. And he says, oh, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better. And he walks away. This kid is a jerk. He just, ugh. I get his dad moved out and everything, but it's like, dude, think your aches yourself. And this girl's just trying to be, you know, helping out. The, you know, the environment. And, you know, I mean, none of these other kids care. <laughs> but, hey, she's doing something. And, of course, as he's walking away, he kind of looks over his shoulder at her. And this girl walking past throws a glass bottle in there, and Lacey takes the sign and moves it back over to where it's supposed to be. And, and the way that these trash receptacles, they're basically the kind of tall, like, garbage cans that have the, you know, the, they're made of plastic, like, almost like Rubbermaid ones. We had one when we had the house. The kind that have the wheels on them and everything. And she's got the top part, like, cut in a square that's probably, like, 
maybe four inches by three inches long. So it's like, it's not like you could try to like, hey, I'm going to see if I can make it in from like four feet away. No, they have it. So you pretty much got to go up to the thing and stick it in there. Because no way are you going to try to sink that shot with a glass bottle or a plastic bottle into a square that's cut that small. Okay, so now we are back at the research center with Rick's mom and Katie. Rick's mom is holding up a handheld mirror for Katie, asking her in sign language, Who is this, Katie? Who is this? And, yeah, because she's, like, doing this sign like, Who is this? And she's pointing to the mirror. And... Katie does a sign with her hand where she kind of draws her, her hand down from her the length of her face. And Rick's mom's like, oh, no, 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 not, not pretty banana. Katie just looks like she is not about this. Like, she is not, I mean, I, she's confined to a cage, like, a cage where she can move around, but it's not like she's in her natural habitat. So I can get why she would be irritated and, and not be, not wanting to cooperate with her. I mean, Rick's mom is nice, but it still doesn't take away the fact that, you know, Katie lost her family and her home and everything. And for two years, this here at the research center has been her life. So, yeah, Rick shows up and his mom is like, oh, Katie, look, Rick's here. Katie immediately looks like, oh, great. Dirty toilets back. So she asked how school was. He's like, yeah, it pretty much sucked. And she's, she says, oh, yeah, well, I love that positive attitude. Have you been to that school? <laughs> I hate it, too. Oh. But even still, I mean, Rick's attitude sucks, like, majorly. This kid has got a major chip on his shoulder, and it really, honestly, makes it hard to root for this guy. So... Rick's mom takes a little, like, index finger with, you know, tip of her finger with yellow paint on it. She sticks it, you know, right at Katie's forehead. And Rick asks, oh, what's this? And his mom says, if Katie touches the paint when she looks in the mirror, then she understands she's looking at her own reflection and not another gorilla. The way that Rick's mom is just looking at Katie, who's looking at a reflection in the mirror, it's almost like she's waiting for this miraculous breakthrough. And this is this research study that she's been doing. And Katie ends up just smashing the mirror on the ground, or on the uh, floor cage. Oh my god! And of course, Rick's mom is like right there when she shatters that, Katie shatters that plastic mirror. That mirror is probably about like probably three and three inches of four inches across and and then three uh three inches down 
And when she, she breaks, like, the plastic part of the mirror, it's like, that is glass in there. It's like, you could have injured Rick's mom. I don't know. But Kitty's clapping like she thinks it's a game. Oh my gosh, was that a smile from Rick? Oh my gosh, I've never seen it before. I didn't think he could smile. <laughs> of course, Rick says, oh, well, maybe she's having a bad hair day. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Rick says, hey, why don't you threaten to send her to military school? And her, his mom looks at him and says, oh, yeah, real funny, real cute. Like, no, you need to get that glass cleaned up. We don't need injuries. So Katie's sitting in her cage, you know, enclosure watching Rick while Rick is sweeping the floor. Honestly, that can't be too bad. It's, what, two hours a day for, what, five days a week? It's nothing. At least he's, she's keeping him out of trouble for now. So Rick has got one of these uh, jumbo-sized M&M bags. And I don't know, as a kid, it's like, I was just kind of jealous. Like, oh my gosh, he gets a whole big bag of M&Ms to himself. And I mean, I think I'm like, he's a teenager, so he doesn't have any money. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> so he, he tosses one in her cage. I don't know if girl is going to have chocolate or not. Maybe. Um, and then he just rolls his eyes. And then he, like, throws one up and catches it in his mouth. The door of the, her enclosure. And Rick goes up to the door. And he starts teasing her with an M&M, thinking, oh, he's going to give that to her. Like, oh, you want it? You want it? Oh, no. <laughs> and eventually she does just grab the bag out of his hand. And he gets it. He's like, hey, hairball, that was my last pack. I don't know how much those... Bags of M&M's. I bet anything. I mean, this is 95. So I bet anything. Those probably costed probably like $3. She like roll. Katie like takes the, the pack of M&M's. Rolls on her back. And proceeds to like spill the M&M's all over her face. all over her face. We see the outside of the school says McKinley High School. So looks like Lacey is running for class president because we hear her say, because they have the subtitles on, and if I am elected for your class president, I won't be afraid to, afraid to face the tough issues. That sounds like such a generalized line that like Anyone running for class president, or it, it even sounds like something for president, you know, people are, that are running for president of the United States, they're always, I won't be afraid to face the tough issues, and all those political ads that are always running, like, in the fall and summer and stuff that you get sick of. A kid, <laughs> this assembly is nuts. These kids are crazy. And she's talking about dissecting animals. She says, why should we be cutting up frogs and salamanders when we can use computer models? So we look out in the audience. We see someone made a sign that says, think car, C-R-R. -R, and there's a 
weird-looking car <laughs> drawn on there. Uh, Doreen for president. Someone's got vote for Lacey for president. And then a, someone has a sign that says elect Ralph or something. R-A-L-F. I can't tell. And she's saying, why do these animals have to die just so we can see how their insides work? She has a good point. I mean, I know there was one, I can't even remember what animal it was, but the teacher did give us an out for those that did not want to participate in the dissection. We were allowed to go to the library, and I chose that. Like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't feel comfortable doing this. So, yeah. And, and, and Lacey's going on saying, they can't speak for themselves. They can't tell us how they feel. And she's going, it, it seems like she's mainly staying on this platform of, you know, animals and stuff like this. And it's like, there are other issues also you could be talking about as well. I mean, because she does the recycling. I just, I don't see her getting elected because... She's the quiet, like, earth-saving girl, and it always seems like the popular kids half the time are the ones that, the the popular kids that run for student body president and stuff, they are usually the ones that get elected, because they have a bunch of friends. I remember, I think it was in junior, was it junior high? Or high school? What? No, I think it was, anyway... And these kids that were running were doing, like, skits on on stage and stuff like that. And I just, the people that I were sitting with and we were watching, they were saying, this has nothing to do with anything. This, whatever they're performing on stage has nothing to do with why they're running. It was like some spoof on... Marsha from the Brady but or some weird I don't get it and I didn't understand like what exactly they were aiming for they were just trying to be funny this kid who's sitting next to Rick don't know if he's his friend but he's doing the armpit farts and Rick finally like smacks him upside the head like will you knock it off Rick's actually listening to her I think he may be the only one and some perverted kid in the audience like, hey, babe, dance or something. She finally has to scream into the microphone, shut up! And uh, the, whole, uh, the whole auditorium goes silent. And then she says, thank you. Ah, I am so playing this. After she yells at them to shut up. <laughs> Someone says, Whoa! <laughs> Uh, okay, there's also a sign that says Tommy Gray U-A-O-K, or some, I don't know. Someone, of course, is wearing, in the front row, a, um, Looney Tunes, because this is, movie is put on by Warner Brothers. They're wearing a shirt that's got Bugs, Taz, and Daffy. Is this the one where they're wearing, like, I think backwards hats or something in jerseys? I can't tell. There's also someone in the front that's wearing a Michigan hat, which I'm like, yay, Michigan! And then she finishes with, I'm going to take a stand, and I hope you will too. Lacey Ka, as in, I'm guessing the two R's are silent? I don't know. And then that's pretty much her speech. And Rick apparently has been moved by her speech. Like, oh, it's a 
girl who's into animal rights. I didn't hear anything about any other issues that she was talking about, but just mainly the animal rights. No one's paying attention, girl. Lacey, like I saw her, I remember in um when I watched the show Second Noah that came out in '96. I watched it for the two twins on there because same age as them. But she was in an episode. She was all into Ranny Becca, who I had a crush on. But anyway, she was also in the movie, which is based on the book, the mixed-up files of Miss. Basil E. Frankweiler or something to that effect. She and the boy from the Brady Bunch movie who played Bobby were in that. I, I've never seen it. I did try to read the book, but I just, I couldn't really get into it. I mean, I read books from, you know, back in my day and stuff. And the thing is now, sometimes going back to some of those books and just kind of really like, wow, they are really, really detailed and descriptive more than I thought so. And like this one particular book, it just, I felt reading it as an adult kind of dragged the book down. Um, Building Blocks by Cynthia Voigt is a good book, but, you know, as I said, just reading it as an adult, I'm just like, wow, this is very lengthy and descriptive, and it, it more focuses on detail and less on dialogue, so, but sometimes I think, like, books back then did kind of focus more on the details and, and things like that than actual dialogue and story plot, but anyway... So, looks like Rick's closing up shop for the night. Says, hey, well, good night, hairball. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. So, she's signing to Rick. And, of course, he doesn't know what she's what she wants. And he's like, what's that? What do, you, what do you want? What are you trying to do? He's not even trying to attempt to uh, understand. She's even pointing. Like, he's like, hey, no, speak a gorilla. Sorry. And Rick says, hey, look, maybe you can fool my old lady with that sign stuff, but I'm not impressed, okay? And then he says, I saw a horse once who could count. Big deal. I didn't have to clean up after him either. Gosh, this kid's got such an attitude. And he says, oh, if maybe if you could mop or empty garbage pails, that would be something. And Kitty is throwing a temper tantrum. She's throwing... Straw around, she's throwing her food dish around, spilling the contents. And Rick goes up like, hey, what are you doing? I just cleaned up in there. Oh, he's like, forget this, hairball, I'm done with you. And he picks, as he's walking past the sink, he sees a coffee cup that says California and it says Katie on there. He looks at her and he's kind of putting two and two, and two together like, oh, 
oh, maybe this is what she wanted. And he, he goes over to her carrying the water in the cup. And he's like, oh, is this what you wanted? You wanted some water? So, of course, as his mom had said, you need to make sure that she's secure in her sleep area before you go into her enclosure. Don't ever go into the cage with the enclosure with her. And he's telling her, you go to sleep, go to bed, go in your your uh, sleep area. And, of course, she's just sitting there. He's like, oh, well, okay, I'm just going to go in here with you. I like this moment that passes between them. He finally is kind of like, like, she may be a gorilla, an animal in your mind, but she is also, she has feelings, and she does have a heart, and she does want to need things, but you just need to take the time to listen. And I, I like that as he passes the cup to her, and she takes it, and she drinks from it, and it's almost like something starts to change in him, like he's seeing past the gorilla and the animal, and he's kind of seeing her for the first time. just pass it through the door there? I mean, the bars are spaced far apart that he could. Doesn't necessarily have to go in there. Just hand her the cup. Is he by himself there? He's gotta walk up the place? connection with Katie finally inspires him to reach way under his bed to get this copy of sign language which his mom did say like oh you used to do this with grandma all the time so maybe his grandmother was was deaf and he he probably did forget a lot of the signs so he blows on the book's got like a thick layer of dust, enough that it creates a cloud of dust. <laughs> he blows it off the top of the book. 
And he's had it a long time because it says sign language for children. Well, I mean, you got to start at the beginning, so may as well. So he is working with her in her little sleep area, and he says, what what time? What, what, what do you mean time? And she's now offering her cut-up bananas and strawberries and apples. Well, no, I don't see strawberries in there. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm good, thanks, though. <laughs> and, he, of course, she, like, keeps holding it out and say, oh. And he takes it, he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, pretending to eat it, and, like, <laughs> What, what time, what mean time? It's like, uh, turns away, pretends to eat. Uh, no, thank you. Uh. So it looks like he's doing a little bit of finger painting with, uh, what, we got blue, yellow, and red finger paints there. And he's trying to show her, like, how to make, like, a bird with the finger. And she's using one of those, um... He's showing her, like, Katie, are you watching? This is a bird. She's got a Viewmaster. My, um, we had one at my grandma's house, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. He got her a Viewmaster! <laughs> and then he's like, no, Kitty, put that down. Look, look, see, this is a bird. A bird. And then he takes her, her finger and dips it in the paint and also, like, shows her, see, you drew a bird. And then they get into a little finger paint. <laughs> fight and it's just so adorable and they start wrestling and it's so cute and of course Rick's mom comes in she's not exactly happy to see Rick in the cage in the enclosure with Katie and she thinks because she has been working with Katie for two years and a lot of the stuff that Katie's learned she is worried that what Rick is teaching her has kind of, like, almost deleted all the work, the two years of work that Rick's mom has put in with Katie. Like, you probably set her back three or four months. And you're not supposed to be teaching her anything. This is science. It's like, yeah, she's getting, like, grant money to work with Katie and be able to develop her intelligence and communication and stuff like that there's yeah takes some p blue paint and like dabs it in on his face <laughs> and then he takes some and puts some on her nose <laughs> they are covered in paint and straw and just uh and of course Rick sees his mom is not exactly happy because she comes in holding her bag and she just drops it to the floor and he's like, look, the important thing is that this all washes off. And she's like, what do you think you're doing? And he's like, yeah, we're just fooling around. And he kind of elbows, Katie elbows him, and he, like, elbows her back. Oh, my goodness. Okay. The important thing to remember here is that this all washes off. What do you think you're doing? Just fooling around. Fooling around? I was trying to teach you how to draw. She is not supposed to be fooling around, Rick, and you are not supposed to teach her anything. This is science, Rick. There are certain ways things right. have to be done. All right, I'm sorry. There is a program that has to be followed. You, you probably sent me back three weeks. Yeah, she was happy for a few minutes, so shoot me.
So, I honestly think there's more of a bond with Rick and Katie than there is with Rick's mom and Katie. Because they're both coming at a, from a place where they feel like they've been, you know, a- abandoned and they feel lost and there's just this connection. Actually, it's not really that far off from in Free Willy with Willie being taken from his family and being put in captivity and with Jesse who, you know, his mother abandoned him and he's being put into a, you know, a, a foster home and everything and having to adjust. It's like two souls that are connecting and meeting based on a shared understanding of what it means to be alone and have a, you know, Willie wasn't abandoned. He was full on taken from his family, just like Katie was. So, of course, now we're going to meet Mr. Charmley at the Charmley's Flea Market, home of Bobo, the other gorilla. I always thought it was Charlie, not Charmley, but anyway. This looks like, I mean, the inside of it looks like a giant, like, degraded-looking Costco. Because we can see people outside that are bringing shopping carts. This area does not look like the best part of town, either. And we see a sign with the gorilla wearing a tank top that says, Bobo, this way. He's pointing with his finger. Oh, the uh, cardboard cutout is. We got someone doing announcements over the intercom saying, Attention shoppers, don't miss our special tube sock sale today only in aisle six. And be sure to catch the next Bobo the Gorilla show at three o'clock. From deepest, darkest Africa to the end of aisle seven. There are hubcaps in one of these center aisles here and people are actually going through them and I'm like are you serious hubcaps really oh my goodness I think they're hubcaps they look like they're hubcaps mixed with like like covers to like pots and pans (laughs) what is this and we see Bobo he's got a chain around his neck and we see a doctor, like, checking him out. And I guess Bobo's got a heart murmur. You can hear him, like, wheezing, breathing. Like, his breathing is really labored. And the vet is telling him it could be this. You know, it's hard to say without more tests. And we just see Charlie there, Peter Bo- played by Peter Boyle, just chomping on a cigar. He doesn't care about the welfare of this animal. It's like, I gotta make money. Those little kids that want to see the gorilla. He does not care about this poor gorilla. And he, the vet even says he should be in a facility where we can monitor him. Yeah, and Charlie's like, I'm running a business here, Daryl, in case you didn't notice. Says, Daryl says, I'm just telling you what's best for the animal. And Charlie's like, well, what's best, what about what's best for me? What about what's best for those little kids behind the curtain? He's, like, totally manipulating, like, oh, you don't want to break their little hearts, do you? I don't think they'll be broken if they don't see Bobo. Yeah, and Charlie puts his foot down, like, look, enough said, all right? The gorilla stays put. So, basically, you've sentenced this gorilla to death. And the vet pulls out some pills, and he even apologizes to Bobo, like, sorry, big guy. 
And then Charlie says, now I gotta go fire some drunken window washers. Good grief. This place. This man. He's a horrible human. And Charlie says, I want him on his feet by three o'clock. Well, the girl. Bobo here is not in good health at all. And it's like, come on. Oh my gosh. This guy needs to be shut down. We even go to Katie's enclosure and kind of see her and just seeing like, even though she's in an enclosure and everything that is most likely bigger than Bobo's, they're still in a way being held captive. Like, Bobo doesn't get a say in where and how he lives. Katie doesn't either. Alright, so, looks like, uh, okay, Rick's mom's name is Meg. And her, I'm guessing this is a lawyer or someone. She's like, oh, it sounded urgent. What's this about? And, of course, Charlie's there and says, it's about my gorilla, Miss Heller. And Meg looks at the lawyer and says, what's he doing here? And the lawyer says, well, Meg, something's come up. And, of course, <laughs> Meg says, my name's Margaret. What's going on here? And the lawyer says, well, Mr. Charnley needs his gorilla back. And Charnley says, unfortunately, Meg, my old gorilla dropped it. I mean, passed away. So he doesn't care. That poor gorilla suffered and passed. Oh, my gosh. He needs to be brought up on charges. Animal cruelty, 100%. Yeah, so I'm going to have to take back the other gorilla. And, yeah, Rick's mom says, well, you can't take her back. We have a lease. And Charlie says, yeah, which, as fate would have it, expired last week. She actually is saying, well, then you're just going to have to renew it for us. I don't think that's what he's planning to do. That pretty much worked in his favor. Who's not keeping up on this? Someone should have been keeping up on it. Have it on your calendar. Like, hey, the lease is coming up. Let's make sure it's been, you know. I mean, but they didn't know that the Bobo was going to pass. Yeah, he's even smiling and shaking his head like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing that. And, of course... Rick's mom is saying, you know, for God's sake, Charlie, I mean, you can't take her. We're in the middle of a study, and you just, you can't take her right now. And he tells her, look, you're just a caretaker. You knew that when we started this whole thing. He says, look, I bought this gorilla to replace the bulb when the time came. And henceforth, the time has come. The bulb has passed. And the fact that Margaret brings up, I also know that we have the option to buy her in our lease. First of all, your lease expired. There is no lease anymore. And she even looks at the lawyer. It's like, well, can't we do it? Like, and he's kind of sitting back like, I don't think that's possible at this point. See, this is why you need to have a calendar and you need to write stuff down. This is 1995. If they have secured that lease early up, before Bo the Bobo had passed, then maybe, but if we're exercising that option now, aren't we, Walter? Walter? And he just looks at her like, my hands are tied, I can't do anything. Meg, I'm glad you could come to see me on such short notice. It sounded urgent, so what's this all about? 
It's about my gorilla, bitch, Helen. What is he doing here? Well, Meg, something's come up here. Pixie. My name's Margaret. What is going on here? Um, uh, Mr. Charlie needs his gorilla back. Unfortunately, Meg, my old gorilla dropped, uh, uh, passed away. So I'm gonna have to take her back. You can't take her back. We have a lease. Which, as fate would have it, expired last week. Then you're just gonna have to renew it for us. No, God's sake, Charlie, I mean, well, you can't take her. We're in the middle of my study, and, 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 and you can't take her right now. Look, I bought this gorilla to replace the bulb when the time came. The time has come. You were just a caretaker, sweetheart. You knew that. I also know that we have the option to buy her in our lease. We're exercising that option now. Aren't we, Walt? Walter? Okay, so Rick comes in. He has no idea what happened. And he's got bags of chips. He's like, all right, hairball, get ready to pig as you have never pigged before. What? I don't think she needs to be eating junk food. <laughs> she t I don't know what the diet of is a gorilla, like fruit and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it's not like Lay's potato chips and pork rinds. And Rick goes in, the room is dark, Katie's in closure, the door is open, and she's not in there. So, of course, he wants to know where she is and what happened to her. So now there's a big blowout between him and his mom. We hear Meg refer to Katie as the gorilla. She has a level of a detachment, of course, because she sees Katie as a study. This is a study, you know? There's a level of detachment. You don't get attached to your subject because then it's just going to make it harder. That's why I think sometimes doctors just, they don't have the best bedside manner, and maybe that's because they want to detach themselves from the patient and not get too emotionally involved. And I think, I mean, I'm not saying all doctors are like that. I, I'm not excusing doctors' behavior when they're rude and they seem like they don't care. But I feel like in a way that that is what Rick's mom, Margaret, has kind of done with Katie. So she has that separation of emotional attachment between herself and Katie. Rick even sees the viewfinder on the floor, so Katie just, like, dropped it as she was probably being taken away. Gotta get her back! I can't! The gorilla doesn't belong to me! The gorilla? Her name is Katie! I know her name! I've worked with her for over a year! How do you think I feel? Yeah, well, what are you gonna do about it? It's out of my hands! Oh, come on! Look, Rick, he owns her! And there's nothing you or I or anybody else can do about that. Well, so you're just going to give up? I don't have any choice. You're not going to fight for her. Oh, that's right. You never fight for anything. You're just going to let her go the same way you, you let that go. You are standing on thin ice, pal. We better have a family meeting about this. What family? Test three to be a family. So, yeah, she tries to explain to Rick, look, the gorilla does not belong to me. Because he's screaming at her, saying, you got to get her back. And she says, the gorilla doesn't belong to me. And he's like, the gorilla? Her name is Katie. And it's like, yeah, I know her name. I worked with her for over a year. How do you think I feel? And he's just like, and she even says, Charlie owns her. There is nothing that I can do. I. And the fact that. He starts bringing up his dad, like, oh, that's right. You're not even going to fight for her. You don't fight for anything. 
You're going to let her go the same way you let dad go. It's like he is full on blaming her for why his father left. Like, dude, I think you need to have a conversation with your dad if uh, whatever. But he, uh, we see where this stems from. So um, Rick's anger at his mom and whatnot. So oh, I feel so bad for, for him and Katie. And, uh, and she even says. Yeah, she starts yelling, like, you are skating on thin ice. Like, you don't put that on me. And she sits down at the table and says, we need to have a family meeting. And Rick says, what family? It takes three to be a family. And he, of course, yeah, they don't exactly have the best relationship. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with Rick blaming his mom for why his dad left. So there's another someone that Rick has gotten close to that has left him now. Poor Katie, just like Bobo, she's got the uh, chain or metal chain around her neck with the lock on it, and she is cowering in a corner. And it's just like, oh my, this poor girl. She's being taken from the wild as a baby, put into a, a enclosure cage basically, and now she's in another like cement wall cage that, even though it's got like. Uh, painted bricks that are supposed to look like the jungle or something like that. But no, and then the the curtains are pulled back on the windows and everyone's just gaping and pointing and blah, 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 and Katie is freaking out. But people react is like they've never seen a gorilla before in their life and they're it's almost like they pull back like, like they weren't expecting to see a gorilla in there. What in the world? not just a metal chain around her neck there's one around her her waist as well and she's baring her teeth she's scared she's freaked out she doesn't know where she is or why she's there or why people are looking at her and sc they're screaming basically and she's trying to break out she sees those windows and she's like throwing her body against them but i think it's like plexiglass so i don't think it's really gonna do anything and it's like, and everyone's like, hey, watch it. Blah, 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 blah. And then he goes up to her and says, hey, Katie. And then he puts his hand up there and she puts her, her hand up on the glass, too. And, of course, we see Lacey, who's also at the flea market trying on sunglasses, sees Rick over there. And Rick is like, I know I want to get you out, too, but I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know, I'm sorry. You can talk to her. It's her. Don't try to do that. Grandma, she was deaf. I forgot most of it. She doesn't belong in there. She doesn't like crowds. They scare her. He looks sad, too. Well, of course he is. That's his friend in there. That's just not fair. No, it's not. It's cruelty. So, yeah, and immediately when he goes up to the glass, Katie sees him there, and she's already signing. He's like, I know. I want. I don't want you in there either. 
And I just, I don't know what to do. And, it's, and Lacey comes up, and she immediately assumes that, well, unless they took the signs down for Bobo, she assumes that Katie is a him. And Rick corrects her, said, no, it's a her. And <clears throat> she notices that Rick is signing to Katie, and she asks, you know, how, who taught you how to do that? And he says, well, my grandmother, she was deaf. I mean, I forgot most of it, but, and it just, yeah. And he even says, well, she doesn't like crowds. They scare her, and she shouldn't be in there. And, and Lacey says, oh, it's, it's just not fair. It's like, no, it's not fair. And she mentions how, oh, she looks sad. And then she looks at Rick and says, oh, you look sad, too. It's like, well, yeah, that's his friend in there. So now the place is closed, and Rick, I guess, had been hiding in the bathroom the whole time. They're not checking the bathrooms. You know they're not. Rick's got a uh, duffel bag filled with parts to be... There's even a cafe in this place. The place looks dingy. It looks gross. It just... Ugh. Alright, so Rick says... He goes over to Katie's cage and says, Katie, go over there. So he opens the... Yeah, he's got like a, a lock thing that takes the lock off. And all that good stuff. And he also takes the chain off her neck, cuts the, that, and also the one around her waist. Katie's just so happy to be free. She's rolling around. He's like, Katie, we, we don't have time for this. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Oh, and he's like, Katie, be quiet. Stop it. And we do see a security camera there that's kind of moving around. Whether it's motion censored, I don't know. We got the security guard watching, like, wrestling or something like that. It's the same guy from Homeward Bound! The guy who was at the the animal shelter, the big guy eating the sandwich. And he's eating a sandwich here! <laughs> he turns the little TV back to the security cam. Of course, he doesn't think anything of a gorilla, like, hopping down one of the aisles. And then he, he turns it back to wrestling, but he thinks for a minute, and he's like, well, wait a minute, what did I just see on that TV? And he shouts with a mouthful of food into the thing there, there's someone on the floor! He doesn't say the gorilla, <laughs> yeah, but, oh my goodness. See, Rick apparently didn't think anything of the fact that there would be security cameras in this place. There's, there's nothing but junk there, but he, anyway, we got this... Glasses-wearing dingbat of a security guard. <laughs> He's no better than the other. Oh, he goes out and he just sees the that bear, like, whatever that is, stuffed bear thing. It's fake-looking. And he's like, oh, it's just a bear, you. And then here comes Katie with Rick trailing behind her. Katie just starts, gorilla! <laughs> I start screaming, gorilla, gorilla! And Katie, there's... Of course, a gate pulled down on one of the entrances, and she's, like, freaking out. And she starts yanking at the gate like that's the only way to freedom. And Rick's like, no, Katie, this way. We gotta go through the back. We don't have time for this. Because she starts, like, yanking on it, and she actually pulls it from the top, and it just the gate just drops down. And then, of course, the alarm sounds. Like, oh, boy. Nothing is going according to plan, of course. And, yeah, as she's shaking on that gate, she says, there, he, Rick says, there are other guards in here. We don't have time for this. We have to go. 
So, yeah, he tries to get her into the van, and she won't go. And then he basically has to try to pick her up, even though gorillas weigh, I don't know how much, a lot. And he puts her in the van. She finally climbs into the van. Like, let's go, let's go. Okay, so the both the security guards run out the door as Rick is driving off. And the fact that the thinner security guard says, Someone on the floor? You didn't say it was a gorilla. And the, the big guy says, I didn't know it was a gorilla. Are you serious? I mean, I get it was dark in there, but there were still lights. And you could tell. I mean, that's not a man. Walk around on all fours. Okay, so Rick, of course, tries to enlist the help of Lacey. Since they have such a connection, they both want to help animals. And it's extremely late because her father answers the door. What? I don't know. What time is it? It's going to be like probably like 11 or midnight or something. It's like, hey, can I please speak to Lacey? Like, what? <laughs> this guy looks like he just rolled out of bed. I mean, it's like, I just went to bed. Yeah, she's got him wrapped around her finger. Oh yeah, he said he the guy asked like who are you? And then he says Rick says I'm a friend of Lacey's. Is she in by any chance? And Rick <laughs> her dad says, Yeah, she's in. She's in bed. Do you know what time it is? And Rick says, uh seven thirty. And Lacey's dad said, It's ten forty five. And Rick's like, Oh man, I'm sorry, I wasn't even close. <laughs> So, of course, he goes to shut the door, and Lacey comes down, and she's like, oh, Rick, and apparently, <laughs> like, can I talk to you outside? It's important. And the dad is about to close the door, and Lacey's like, five minutes, dad, please. He's like, okay, five minutes. Yeah, she's good. He, <laughs> she's got him from her. <laughs> yes. So, we cut to the van, and you just hear... Lacey's screaming and jumping out of the van. And he's like, what the? Like, he's telling her, like, be quiet. Be quiet. And she's asking, like, what did you do? Yeah, she's like, what did you do? And he says, I stole her. I got her out. I got to figure out what to, I'll do with her. And he says, I need your help. And she's, my help? Yeah, yeah, your help. Look, all we need is a place to hide for a while. Maybe your garage. And she, Lacey says, how about my parents' bedroom? Are you bent? And he kind of turns on her like, wait, wait a minute, I thought you were Miss Animal Rights. Or do you just say all that crap because it sounds good? Well, before he's like, I thought you were Miss Animal, Animal Rights. He's like, do you got a better idea? And she says, yes, leave. I don't want to get involved. And he's, I thought you were Miss Animal Rights. Seriously? He says, do you believe in all the crap you talk about or do you say it because it sounds good? And he's calling her out. It's like, you want to help animals, but... Here's the situation right here in front of you. Granted, Rick did break the law. He, he must know that. Like, you stole her. You broke the law. Now you're making her an accomplice. And she points at the van. Like, this is different. And Rick says, no, this is not different. This is a real thing. 
She was talking about cutting up salamanders and frogs and not dissecting animals and stuff. This is Grand Theft Gorilla, I guess, or something. And Rick is sticking up for Kitty. Like, you saw how smart she is. She thinks. She feels things. Rick brings up a great question. He says, I mean, if we don't help her, who will? Nobody. Nobody's going to help her. So Lacey goes over to the window where Katie's face is, and Lacey, like, kind of, like, runs her finger through the side of her hair, and Katie kind of does, like, mimics her, her hand movements. Then Lacey touches her nose, and then Katie does the same thing. So Katie, like, blows on the window and creates, like, a fog, and then she uses her finger to draw a bird. Then she kind of, like, moves the hand over, uh, Kitty moves the hand over her face, and Lacey asks Rickley, what does that mean? And Rick says, she just called you a pretty bird. Uh, calls her a smart gorilla. Like, yeah, she's very intelligent. And Lacey starts coming up with a plan and says, you know, you can't hide in one place. Sooner or later, someone's going to find you. And Lacey says, unless you go, and Rick asks, where? And then she asks him, well, how well do you drive? And Rick says, just ask any cop around, why? And she says, because if you can get to Canada, you'll be safe. Rick asks, like, why would a gorilla be safe in Canada? Why would she be safe there? And Lacey says, well, the cops can't get you. And she says, neither can the guy who owns her. And Rick asks her, like, well, how do you know this? And Lacey says, well, it worked for my Uncle Max. <laughs> and Rick says, oh, your uncle was a gorilla? And Lacey says, no, he was a hippie. He didn't want to fight in Vietnam, okay, so he was clearly drafted, so he stayed up, and he went to Canada during the war. Okay. That's the thing I figure is, I, I heard about that, and, um, you know, those that were drafted who were going to fight in Vietnam, they'd go to Canada, and I'm thinking, you go to Canada, you're there for the rest of your life, because you come into the States, you're going to get arrested. At least, I think that's what could happen. I don't fully know. But I've heard instances about, like, oh, go to Canada and hide out in Canada until the war's over and stuff. It's like, yeah, well, even once the war's over, you set foot in the States, like, you're, there's going to probably be a warrant for your arrest. I, I mean, I guess. Okay, so she says he lives in Washington at the border and goes to Canada every week for his job. And Lacey says, well, my dad says he's two bricks short of a full load, but he'll help. And Rick says, well, how am I supposed to get there? I've only got $7. So, Lacey devises a plan, a map, some clothes, a ball of money. She's standing right up, right below her bedroom window as she's dropping stuff down to him.
Watch your pretty bird. Oh, it's like a little map. Oh, okay. Oh, it gives the address of the info. Okay. It's just as well that he's traveling at night since he is driving underage and he does have Katie with him. So now we go to the police station with Charnley and the two bumbling security guards. And the detectives finally show up, or the police, whatever you want to call them. And of course, of course, Charnley isn't too happy. He's like, well, it's about time. Would you solve every crime in California before you got here? And of course, the guy. Yeah, he says, what do you do? Solve every crime in California before you got here? And the guy who played Biff in Battle of the Future, you see the back of him. He says, yes, uh, butthead. He's talking to his partner. And the guy says, oh, I'd say so, definitely. It's, it's it's interesting because we're used to seeing like this guy playing Biff who's got blonde hair, whereas here he's got brown hair. But there's no mistaking that Biff voice. So the detective, the one that's wearing um an, a harness or whatever you want to call it, he asks, "Oh, can you get describe describe her for us?" And Charlie says, "Yeah, she's a gorilla." And the guy tries to clarify, like, oh, I mean, does she have any distinguished markings, clothes? And Charlie says, clothes? What gorilla do you know wears clothes? I thought there was one in the animated, like, Ghostbusters. Not the one based on the movies, but the other one with the gorilla that wore clothes. So, 
the detectives start talking about, like, oh, you know, when they dress up the little, uh, oh, yeah, like, the chimps, like, in the suspenders and the shorts and, like, uh, some other animal, like, they put a little hat on it. And then, uh, Charlie's like, hey, while you're busting my chops here, somebody could be turning my gorilla into glue. And they're like, no, I think you're thinking of a horse. You, you know, horse's hooves you turn into glue or something to that effect. This guy, I'm going to call this guy Biff anyway. So, yeah, he and the other detective are, like, kind of talking about, like, yeah, yeah, how does, yeah, they're getting into a discussion about horses and how do you get glue from a horse. That's in the hooves. Well, how do they run so fast? And Charlie's like, can we stay on the same page here? So, okay, did you bring the security tapes? And he's like, yeah, but I could have had them turn to the home shopping network with these two halfwits running things. Well, you get what you pay for, I guess. <laughs> okay, so now we go back to Rick and Margaret's house. She apparently can't sleep. She doesn't even know that Rick is gone, but she is making some tea for herself. When the news is on, on the little TV in the kitchen, it says, and the search is on for a young boy and a gorilla, and she immediately freezes yeah, and, and she turns and looks at the TV just, oh my gosh. And then the newscaster is talking about how it's a daring theft. Police are still trying to identify the young suspect. The newscaster also says he managed to elude two security guards and escaped with a priceless animal. So, of course, the van that Rick's driving says University of California or Northern California. Clearly, it's the research van that Margaret uses that's been given to her by the university that she works for. So he uses some spray, white spray paint to block out that lettering. Because, you know, he knows the police are clearly on to him. He must know at this point. But he and Katie are trying to get some sleep in the back. And, of course, not a lot of room back there. I mean, Katie is a big gorilla. And... She keeps, like, putting her arm over on Rick, and he's like, Katie, stay on your side. Now, watching this as an adult, I can definitely see how it is just a person in a gorilla suit, just the way that the guys... I listened to a podcast episode where they're interviewing Will Horniff, who plays Rick. He's just talking about the guy and, and the gorilla suit and everything, and just how it will get, like, really, really hot in there. And everything. It's just, yeah, looking at it now, you can definitely see it's just the movements and stuff. I mean, I don't study gorillas and stuff. I don't watch YouTube videos and stuff, but it's just too, too, too human-like to be realistic for a gor gorilla and stuff. I mean, she's like jumping on, you know, his face with her, you know, moving over it too easily. You know, the fact that if this gorilla weighs umpteen tons or however, I don't know how much she weighs, but it's a lot. She's shoving her whole, you know, body right on Rick's face. That I'm, They finally get settled in the back there because they got a quilt there. And she farts. Of course, 90s with family kid movies... They're all about the fart jokes. They're all about getting kicked in the, uh, you know, the nuts and all that stuff. That was 
it seemed like a lot, those were always the ha-ha jokes were the farts and the, uh, oh, wow, it is downpouring. Woo! Look at that rain. Look at that downpour out there. Woo! Alright, but yeah, that was, a lot of 90s movies was about the, yeah. Yeah, she would yawns in his face, and who knows what he's been feeding her. And she farts, and he's, Rick's just like, oh, this is going to be a long trip. So they stop at McKinney's Grocery Food Market, and of course Rick has to explain to Katie, you know, in sign language, like, Katie, stop, look, stay here, okay, don't let anybody see you. So he's trying different hats on her, and he finally settles on this adorable-looking blue and red knit beanie, and he tells her, like, okay, I'm going to the store, you need to get in the back. And then she signs, when Rick says, no, Katie, I, I don't think they have pizza here. No, I'm not going to ask. You want to know why I'm not going to ask? It's because I didn't get any sleep last night. So, yeah, Katie's pretty much... Oh, there's a first aid kit in the back. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> there's a cooler back there, and she pulls out a string of hot dogs. And I'm, I'm even thinking what he's... She was asking about pizza, I'm like... Has he given her pizza? Because how else? You know that Margaret was not feeding her that human food. Unless it were like cut up fruits. Like apples and bananas and whatever. And she goes, she's like putting the blanket over her. Herself. <laughs> it's cute. She goes and puts the cool, this long cooler on her head. Okay, let's see. We are in the store with Rick. He's getting Coca-Cola. He's getting Oreos. He's getting... Well, it looks like Cracker Jack. He's just getting a bunch of junk food. He's getting, uh, Nutty, Nutty Bars. Like, Little Debbie Nutty Bars. He's getting some bananas. And here comes a sheriff. Oh, great. And so, because he ends up dropping those Nutty Bars, because he's trying to hold on to that, uh, I don't even know what that's supposed to be. It's not a hat. It's just something to hold bananas in, I guess. It almost looks like a planter that you would... We had that when I was growing, you know, in, in my dad's house. I don't think they're there. They might be. Uh, they're little things that, like, hang from the ceiling, little hooks that you can hang uh, plants on, you know, in our in our living room and stuff like that. Because I, I do remember that um, my mom would have those... Like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I got one of those little itty bitty like Nerf thingy. It was like um the little uh soft tipped um Nerf little thingies. And then my dad and I <laughs> we would like create bets with each other. Like, okay, if I get this in there, if I should get it in the little potted, you know, plant thing then I owe you a dollar or something. I don't know. I don't know. But I just, it just came to me again just now. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember when my dad and I would do that. Of course, he, he figures he's got to get out of there. Uh, Let's see. We got, oh, yeah, of course it's going to be on the, uh, in the newspaper. Gorilla owner posts 10,000 cash reward. This guy must make some mother IDs son in ape escape. That's what the, uh, gorilla, gorilla, who's got the gorilla. There's a picture of Katie on the front. 
It says times standard. I can't really tell, like, what time of year it's supposed to be, though. I mean, if you're going for class president, though, wouldn't that be something that would be, like, in the beginning of the school year? You're not going to do that stuff at the end. So as this lady's ringing up the stuff for Rick, she asks, are all these bananas for you? It's like, why are you commenting on his purchases? And he's like, oh, no, they're also for a friend. And we do see Katie go up to the front of the vehicle, easily pushing buttons on the radio. And then, and the thing is, the keys aren't in there, but I guess with it, I don't know if it's like parked on an incline or something, because she takes the gear shift, which is, you know, attached to the, you know, side of the steering wheel there, and she puts it in reverse, and the, the van just starts rolling backwards down a hill. And he sees that, it's slowly, and then as it's going downhill, it's picking up speed. And he's like, thank you, thank you, and he runs out. And he's just running down the hill after the van. So Katie's sitting in the back, just like, as this van's rolling down a hill. And <laughs> she grabs this pink stuffed dinosaur, and it makes a little sound. <laughs> Like, okay, I guess I'm going for a ride. <laughs> it finally, like, stops at the bottom of the hill. I don't know whether it hits a tree or a bunch of, uh, like, a grassy little small hill or something. But it does come to a stop. And as Rick is chasing after the van, here comes the sheriff chasing after Rick. Hey, I'm going to play this clip with Rick and the cop because this guy is kind of funny. Because he's like, oh, is that your van? And Rick's like, yes, I mean, no, sir, it's my brother's. And the cop asks, does it always drive by itself? And Rick says, uh, no, not usually. <laughs> That's your van? Yes, sir. I mean, no, sir, it's my brother's. Does it always drive by itself? No, not usually, sir. My brother. Oh, my brother. My brother's uh, back in the store up there. Actually, I, I think it's okay. Just a, a couple scratches on the fender. What do you got in there? Actually, it's completely empty now. You know, just a lot of nothing. Maybe you won't mind if I take a look down. Oh, yeah. I was worried he was going to get caught. No, there's nothing in there. Stinks. <laughs> that's Mel. Oh, that's my brother, sir. You know, he's a musician. They never shower, apparently. Yeah, man, ticket. Four. There's no parking on trees allowed in this town. He's <laughs> <laughs> just having fun. I'm just fun in you, boy. <laughs> Come on, let's go back and find your brother. So yeah, I mean, Rick definitely is fast on his feet, you know, I mean, he hauled butt going down that hill with carrying a couple, a bag of groceries and those bananas. 
So, <laughs> I, I like how the cop's got a good sense of humor. Well, the thing is, he's suspicious, right? I'm like, what do you got in there? What's in there? What's in the van? And Rick's like, oh, a, a whole lot of nothing. He's like, well, okay, I guess you don't mind if I take a look for myself. Opens it. Rick is like, oh, gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. So, of course, cop doesn't see anything in there. Whatever. I, I don't know what a gorilla smells like, but uh, Rick's like, oh, it's my brother. Because the guy's like, what's that smell? And Rick says, oh, that's my brother. He's a musician. I'm thinking, what, musicians don't shower? <laughs> that the joke, apparently. <laughs> Guess he's sticking with it. My older brother's a musician. So... Cop's like, all right, let's go back and find your brother. And Rick's like, yeah, I probably should wait here with the van. So, and the guy was kind of joking. With, the cop was joking with him, like, oh, I'm gonna have to give you a ticket. And Rick is like, oh shoot, what for? And the sheriff says, there's no parking entries allowed in this town. And then you just see the this the blood drain from Rick's face, like, oh god. And then the the sheriff just laughs in his face, like, ah, I'm just funning you, boy. <laughs> I mean, the guy's got a sense of humor. So as soon as the guy leaves, he's out of earshot. Rick calls for Katie, who's hiding in the tall grass. So he's like, Katie, get over here. And she's shaking her head no. And he's like, what do you mean no? And she does the thing, you know, the hand over the face. And he says, yes, of course I'm mad. You almost got us arrested. So he's like, come on, no, let's go before the cop comes back. And then she again signs with, you know, her hand over, around her face. And he says, okay, look, I promise I will not yell at you. Now please get in the van. Like, we need to get out of here. She's basically signing to him, like, you know, please. And he says, okay, all right please. And they, they take off. They're back in the van. At first I thought like the truck was, the, or the van was like, the back tire was like gonna get stuck in like a mud hole or something, but they get out of there pretty fast. I can also understand why they are, he's sticking to the back roads, just because they may already have an ID. I mean, think about it. Well, those guys, it was dark out. Those bumbling security guards were not getting his license plate. I'm sure they must have it somewhere. So he pulls the van off into a little secluded um, wooded area. So they can probably stop and eat. And he's telling her how we have a price on our heads thanks to you. And... All of this, and Katie thinks he means like literally, and he kind of tosses the paper at her and says, No, not literally, I mean in the paper. And she sees a picture of herself, and she's saying how she's a beautiful gorilla. And Rick says, Yeah, and you forgot modest. And she tosses the paper back at him. So, he's like, yeah, we gotta find a different way to go. Thanks to you. I'm like, Dude, you're the one who broke her out of there, which she shouldn't have been in there anyway, but. Don't stop blaming her. I get it. He's a teenager and he's, you know, sullen and whatnot. But, dude, be nice to her. Jeez. So, she clearly is thirsty. He's like, oh, you want a soda? So, he pulls out a Coke can and hands it to her. And she immediately starts shaking it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? I told you don't do that. So, basically, he also says, I told you not to do that in the van. And where are we? 
and she is assigned for van. Like, yeah, we're in the van. So please just wait a while before you open that thing, okay? And then she, she waits a couple minutes, seconds, and then she pops the top on the can and pff, just rickets spritz with Coca-Cola. Oh, Rick was open, going to open his can, but <laughs> he's doubts with that. Katie doesn't know her own strength because she squeezes the can and just pff, it just explodes all over it. And he mentions how this is we're a day away from Lacey's uncle's house. Hey, bad. I've been making good time. And she's embarrassed, puts a hand over her eyes, and he looks at her and says, "That wasn't long enough." So Margaret opens the door. It's just her front porch is just so many news people. And she shuts the door on them, and this guy's like, Miss Heller, it's not nice to snub the media. And then she opens the door and says, okay, I do have something I would like to say. You don't hear what she says, but it cuts to Charnley saying that Margaret is out to make him look like an animal hater or an animal abuser. I'm like, well, yar. Charnley and uh, Margaret are at the police station. And he's like, what are you trying to do, lady? Ruin my reputation? And she says, oh, nobody could ruin your reputation. Then he threatens that when Rick is found, he's going to press charges. The kid's 14, but... <laughs> so the cop with the, um, the holster harness thing on says, look, just run your flea market, okay? And then he's saying how... I got reporters hiding in the bushes thanks to her. It's like, dude, this is an early thing. I mean, everyone who's anyone who knows you, who's been there, sees how you treat these gorillas. So, gun holster guy tells Biff, like, hey. Oh, yeah, because he hand, Biff hands him the, uh, the thing that says that Rick Alps running a seasoned off, you know, that, uh, store, the general store, whatever it was, and so the guy tells uh, the Biff cop, like, hey, look, go home, kiss your wife, feed your fish, and pack a bag because we're heading north. Like, we are going to catch this kid. And then, of course, this is something that, um, another, <laughs> it's like a running joke in this movie. It's like, what's the, what's, why do they call it a flea market? And then later on, it's like, what's the difference between a flea market and a swap meet? Me and Rick are driving. You know this movie would not be called Born to be Wild if they didn't play that song. They're playing Born to be Wild. She's, like, in the passenger seat of the van. She's playing with a seatbelt. She's taking Rick's sunglasses off. She's, like, messing with his seatbelt. And then she grabs the wheel, which he's clearly, yeah, he's taking back roads and stuff like that. But I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, they're going to get into an accident. <laughs> and she's like honking the horn and stuff. And it's just a montage while the song plays. She's wearing ripped sunglasses. She's playing with her Viewmaster. She's wearing that banana holder like a, it's a hat. Which it kind of does look like a, a hat in some ways. Stops at the drive-thru of Enormo Burger, weird, <laughs> where, of course, he's going, through, like I said, he's going through the drive-thru, he's just kind of randomly rolling his eyes, like, yeah, uh-huh, uh, person just, 
I'm not saying someone has to sound energetic when they're running a drive through a fast food or at a fast food restaurant, but even still, it's like, plus it's like early in the morning, because when they get to the window, the lady's like yawning, like, ugh. And, <laughs> I'm gonna play, this is just hilarious, because he's trying to order... And Katie's, like, distracting him and, like, like, grabbing the top of his head. <laughs> just like, please stop it. And the person <laughs> running the drive-thru is like, excuse me? He's like, N not you. So he's talking about wanting to get some burgers, some fries, some drinks, all the good stuff. Welcome to the normal burger. Can I take your order? Uh, yeah. Can I have uh, one double thick cheese enormal burger? One enormal veggie burger? Will you stop it? Excuse me? Not you. You uh, also have uh, two enormal fries and uh, two large enormal Cokes, please. Anything to drink? Yes. Two large enormal Cokes. What size? Large! Uh, Go to the second window. Katie, get in the back. Right now. Get, that's it. Get in the back. I want you under those blankets. You understand me? But tomorrow they're going to be serving you here. No, I'm not a dirty toilet. This lady is. Oh. Although that's not bad. 627 grand. This is 1995 prices. I mean, think about it. Two large drinks, basically two combos. You got the fries, the drinks, and then the the way that this is—it's not in a bag or anything. It's like little uh, not styrofoam, but it's some other type of uh, like recyclable like material that you go like, hey, can I get a tray or something like from McDonald's? You get a drink carrier tray. Just like they're. This is gonna be all over the place in the van. Oh my gosh! Ugh. So he's getting out the money, and then all of a sudden, Kitty's head appears, and the woman starts screaming. Of course she does. If you're not expecting to see a gorilla there. Oh, one of them is a veggie sandwich, which clearly is for Katie. Yeah, she reaches and grabs the sandwich. <laughs> She turns around to whoever this kitchen manager is and says, I just served in a normal burger to a gorilla. And the guy says, well, did he pay for it? She says, yeah. And he tells her, well, all right then, then get back to work. Yeah, I find they stop at this beach. And, of course, he's like, give me the burger. Yeah, I understand that my burger's back at the restaurant, but I want some of that burger. We're splitting it. And... She, what I find so unbelievable is the fact that she's able to climb out the the window. Because the passenger side window, even when it's a van, but the window's down. I'm thinking, come on, that is a bit far-fetched. I don't know. Lindsay, he ends up chasing her on the beach, and he tackles her, and she like he tries to like grab the burger, and... Well, it's, it's he really would want a veggie burger or whatever that is, but she like shoves her fingers into his mouth. It's just funny. 
So, of course, she scarfs the whole thing down. She's like, oh, I can't believe I'm rustling a gorilla for my dinner. And finally, it's like, all right, you know, I'm done with you. I'm done with you for the day. I'm going to go back to the van, listen to some music for ten minutes, and just have ten minutes of peace. And he... He turns to her and says, hey, will you just leave me alone? Do you understand what alone means? Oh, and then he starts saying, like, oh, my life was so much better without you in it or something like that. It's like, dude, I get he's a kid, he, he's emotional and what have you, but it's like, you broke her out of that facility. She's your responsibility. You can't just leave her out in the open. He says, it was my favorite way to be before I met you, being alone. And he says, I'm better off alone, okay? Everybody is. This kid has got some, ugh, anger issues. That's it. That's it. We're compatible with you for today, okay? I'm gonna go back to the van, turn the radio on, and I want ten minutes of peace, understand? <clears throat> you just leave me alone? I mean, do you understand what alone means? It's my favorite way to be before I met you. I'm better off alone, okay? Everybody is. So, Rick walks a few steps. He, you know, takes a breather for a minute and just releases his anger. He realizes, like, I was a little puffed. So he turns around and Katie's gone. He finds her on this tall rock that's just right by... The um, the water there, and he's yelling at her to like get down from there. And then we get off that rock, and she ends up falling into the water. And Rick doesn't waste any time. He gets he runs into the water, calling, screaming her name, looking for her, and. She, like, puts a, you know, a, a, a paw up or a hand up, and he does manage to rescue her and get her out of the water. Now they're on the beach. They've, uh, he's built a fire, you know, to get her warm and everything. He's got blankets on her and all that stuff. They're wearing heavier clothes. I can imagine. <clears throat> like I said, you know, on what time of year that is. It probably does get cold at night. And Rick, of course, does show off his amazing artistry skills with his drawing and everything. It's a picture of Rick and Katie walking on the beach with the sunset. And it's just such a beautiful picture. Oh, it's not colored yet, though. It's just kind of a black and white picture. But it's a, it's a sweet picture. shows the sun going down and he and Katie are, you know, walking on the sand. It's just, it's, it's sweet. And, of course, he's like, hey, Katie, that's private property. Give it back. Like, I don't want you messing it up. And she hands it back to him. So, you know, she signs to him that she likes the picture. And he's like, oh, you do? Okay, well, I mean, it's the only thing I ever do good at, apparently. So, yeah, he is definitely an artist. And he tells her, you know, I guess it's not worth much, but I like it. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I mean, you like, you he clearly has a talent for it. So, I don't see how Rick is surprised that Katie's never been on a beach before. And then Rick starts talking about his father, how his dad could tell her all about the beach, why the ocean was salty, how rain was made. 
And of course, Katie asks the question, you know, what what's a dad? She doesn't know what that is. And Rick's like, oh, what's a dad? That's easy. A dad is someone that teaches you how to ride a bike, how to throw a ball. And Rick says, even lets him want lets you watch him shave. And then he and Rick continues, you know, and after he's taught you all that, he just disappears one day and never comes back. You can definitely see that Rick's eyes are really, you know, glassy and they're watered over. Like, yeah, he's definitely striking a nerve here. It gets kind of, like, to the deeper root of it. About probably why he does have, you know, anger issues and stuff. And he, he looks at Katie and he asks, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? And yeah, she might not know what you're talking about, but even still, I mean, you answered her question, well, with you know, anger and everything of him relaying about, you know, his father and what. So he's like, all right, just as well, let's just go to bed. So Rick lays back on the blanket, you know, they're on the beach, and he's looking up at the stars like, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. Maybe 15. My dad used to tell me he was going to take me sailing on my 15th birthday. So he's kind of repeating what his dad had told him when he promised him he'd take him sailing for his 15th birthday. He said, just you and me, kid, get a boat, find a river, and we'll sail away. Just a couple guys looking for adventure. Bounce on Rick as he says, guess there was never really going to be any sailing trip. Like, his father just lied to him. And Rick says, but I believed him. It's like, yeah, he's your dad. Of course you would believe him. Until he leaves you one day and breaks your heart. He notices Rick's eyes are wet, like he's he's crying, and but he he of course doesn't want to admit it. He's like, my eyes are not wet, okay? Just go to sleep. Oh. Hey, let's pack a Get a boat, find a river, and sail away. 
Just a couple of guys looking for adventure. Guess there never really was going to be any sailing trip. gutsy doing this he's picking apples of an apple tree that's right in front of someone's house like their window is right there and this guy sees this and oh my goodness because he's reading the paper where instead of it just being a front page picture it's now just the story's been basically old news and it's reduced to like the side of the front page. It says 10000 offered for Ape's return. And the guy pretty much is like, yeah, I'm going to earn me $10,000. And he's like, hey, mom, give me my pants. Like, oh, gross. Because Rick is on Katie's shoulders reaching up to get these apples. And when he tosses one at her, hits her on the head, it makes this little... I can't do it. It's like... It just sounded like something hollow, like it didn't sound how an apple would sound if it hit you on the head. This guy is coming out with his overalls on and he's loading a two-barrel shotgun. Like, I don't think you're going to get the money if you kill the gorilla or the kid. So the guy, sh oh, I... Unless he is just, because <laughs> he shoots the gun to let them know that he's there, and he says, you and the primates, stay right where you are, and Rick and Katie take off running. So I'm guessing this is the guy's wife who also has a double-barreled shotgun aimed at a, a kid, basically. And he may be 15, but he's still a kid. Weird farm did he wind up on? So now the farmer and his wife with their shotguns are chasing Katie and Rick through the woods. So Katie apparently a lot more faster than Rick is, and he's running after like Katie, slow down, Katie, wait up, will you wait? And of course, running through the woods, you're gonna trip just like Rick does. And then here comes the farmer with his double-barreled shotgun pointed right at Rick. He told him call the gorilla. And Rick's like, no can do, sir, sorry. And the guy, yeah, honestly, he's, he's like pointing the gun right in Rick's face. Like, what the heck is wrong with you, sir? And the guy's like, I want that ape. And here comes Katie, and she jumps on this guy with her full gorilla weight and body. Jumping on his stomach, smacking his face. And then Rick's like, we, Katie, come on, let's go. And then she like, uh back kicks some like dirt in his face <laughs> but apparently they have to do something because now they can't get to that van now because that van is pretty much useless since it's parked at the gate of where that guy and his wife live like well we can't go back for the van now so they're gonna end up 
using just an old rowboat that's just sitting there and they take it onto the river. Reality, I mean, because she's like jumping up and down on this guy's stomach. If that were a real, oh, uh, that guy's, his body would be destroyed. His ribs would be broken. Oh my goodness. So, of course, Katie's hesitant. She doesn't want to get in the water again after what happened. And Rick's like, no, 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 look, you're not going to be in the water, okay? You're going to be in a boat. You're going to be safe. So he finally is able to get her in, in there, and they just start rowing. And then one of the things that he does tell Katie is like, Katie, if we get caught, they'll never let me take care of you ever again. And as Rick's rowing down the river, he says, all right, that's it. There's no stopping for food until we get to Canada. I don't even know how far they are away from Canada. So Katie finds an apple in that red duffel bag. She goes to eat it, but then she's looking at Rick, and she offers the apple to him. He says, thanks, as he kind of tosses it in the air and catches it. He says, probably the only birthday present I'm going to get this year. So it dawns on Rick that they're on the river. They're sailing on the river just like it was supposed to be for his birthday. And <laughs> he's start getting into an adorable splash fight. Um... There is a person there off to the side. Um, I don't think he's supposed to be in the movie. He's just off in, like, the wooded area. So I just think that's a little, like, is that, like, a behind-the-scenes guy? Like, who is that person? So we got the two police detectives trying to figure out where <laughs> they are. They're trying to find Rick. And finally, the I mean, the guy with the uh, gun holster is all, like, he's the one with the dark, dark hair. It's like, oh, we're wasting our time. This kid is nowhere to be found. And how funny because <laughs> they're going over this road that under, you know, over the river and Rick and Katie are literally, all they'd have to do is like get out of their car and look below and they'll find them. So they pull up the shore somewhere and Katie says she feels cold. Rick goes over, puts his hand on her forehead and says, oh, Wow, you feel hot. You know, it's probably nothing. Come on. It's like, if she feels cold and hot, she's probably got a fever. Probably from being underwater and almost drowning. So, apparently she's got a sneezing fit going on, too. And Rick says, look, Katie, we got to do this, okay? So, he has her hide in the back of this truck. And, of course, Rick ends up hitching a ride with this guy. And he uses a fake name. He says, uh, Eddie Van Halen. And the guy's like, oh, like the guitar player? So this guy, um, looks like he sells, like, joke stuff. He's got, like, the, the glasses with the eyebrows and the nose and mustache thing. And he's also got this little kazoo type thing that makes a noise. And Rick's like, hi, sir, do you think he'd take, give me a ride to my uncle's house? It's not too far. So, the, the interesting characters that Rick has met along the way on this journey. And the guy says, sure, I can do that. I'm D. Wayne. Who are you? And that's where Rick comes up with Eddie uh, Van Halen. And the guy made like, oh, like the guitar player? Well, what a deal. How about that? Sure, I can do that. I'm D-Wayne. Who are you? Uh, Eddie. Van Halen. 
Like the guitar player? Boy, what a deal. Glad to know you. Oh, what is that one of those buzzer things? I've never seen some. Oh, D-Wayne's tricks and all that stuff. <laughs> so, D-Wayne's got a, uh, oh, it's a dollar twenty-four for get. Wow. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen those prices in a long time. But he's got a tarp over the back of his truck, and Katie's in there, and she starts playing with a lot of his, like, uh, joke stuff, and it, it's a cute little montage as she's trying out all these things. First thing she's playing with is, and it's weird because that there's, from the outside there's a tarp, but on the inside it almost looks like she's in a contained space. Almost like it would be like a semi with a contained but anyway she starts playing with this little uh you know the paddle the string and the ball rubber ball on the end and the paddle she starts playing with that here's these little light up frankenstein heads she picks up the fake dog poop and she, the look at her face is like she realizes like what she thinks it is like, oh. <laughs> you can't get it out of her hand fast enough the way the thing is shaped, it's like shaped like a pretzel. And she's like, I don't know whether, like, because she was smelling it. And I don't know whether it's like one of those things that has like the fake, like, dog poop smell. I've never encountered fake dog poop as like a little joke or something. But she's like, Ugh. She plays with a, a fake flower that you squeeze like the little pump on it and shoots water in her eyes. She puts one of those, like, hand buzzer things. She puts it in her mouth and chomps down on it. And she's like, ah, like, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, if he's like, ah, Rick's like, when that guy, like, she goes to shake his hand and he feels that, like, ah, I've, I've never, I can only imagine how that would feel. She sits on a whoopee cushion. That's another thing. And the fact. Of, uh, well, she farted earlier in the movie. It's like, <laughs> I think she knows she were actually farting. But she, like, looks down like, what is that? <laughs> she, like, get, like, like gets up and kind of, like, moves. Like, what is that? Like, picks up a whoopee cushion. I don't want anyone who's ever been fooled by a whoopee cushion in their life. Hot trick candy. Which makes me kind of think of hot tamales. She goes and, like, pours the contents of the box into her mouth. And all of a sudden, you'd think, if this were a cartoon, like, smoke would be coming out of her ears. But she's like, ah, so yeah, probably it's hot. It says hot in red letters. And she takes this bubble bubble. Oh, what, oh, are those things the, uh, the snap and pop things? I recognize those because they're on the floor of this truck and yeah I yeah you get like at, around the 4th of July they would have those in the little boxes where it's like the pop and snap things where you take it and you just fling it on the ground and it makes a poop sound and there's this little uh, bubble bubble it's you know the blow bubbles and stuff and she drinks it and of course I'll pop bubbles out of her mouth and we cut to outside the truck, because it's driving down a road at night. You see bubbles coming out. It's like, oh my gosh. The guy's got a lot of that, like, a 
couple boxes of that hot trip candy. Alright, so D. Wayne drops off Rick. I'm like, alright, I think it's the end of line for you right here. So they make it to, um, uh, <laughs> Lacey's Uncle Max's house. But turns out, uh, the guy does know who Rick is, because he's got a paper that's got his picture. But this guy isn't mean or anything about it. He's not like, like oh, I'm going to turn you in or anything like that and get the money for your, your gorilla and whatnot. No, this guy is cool. This guy is like, hey, man, look. Good luck with what you're doing, man. Definitely. Like, he, he definitely supports him. Like, I, I agree with what you're doing. I think, you know, good luck to you, man. I'm like, hey, he's handing out freebies. I'll take them. telling Katie, like, please stay here, okay? I just, I don't know how he's gonna react. Lacey's Uncle Max. And she sneezes at least twice, like, these big full-body sneezes. One that actually knocks her off her feet. And Rick's just, oh, thank you for that. It's like, dude, she's clearly sick. And this is kind of creepy when he comes upon the house and everything. Clearly there's a light on, so Uncle Max is there. But there's all these statues and stuff, I guess, whether he's into, uh, you know, art creation and statues and all that stuff, because his whole front yard is filled with, you know, tall, lifelike-looking statues of people and other things. So, you know, I'm just gonna... Because <laughs> it is... Uh, Rick shows up there, the guy's like, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing here? And, of course, Rick's like, I'm a friend of your nieces. And it's all, I don't know whether Max was, you know, testing him or something. He doesn't know who he is. He's like, oh, yeah, how is Betty? And Rick says, her name is Lacey. Didn't she tell you we were coming? And then all of a sudden, Max pops out of the shadows like, who do you think you are? And Rick, so startled, he ends up knocking over a bird bat. Like, That's my bird bat. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh yeah. She told me about you. You're the one who needs a friend. Who has a friend who needs to get over the border into Canada. And Rick's like, a uh, friend. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. This is not good. <laughs> Car? Oh, what? 
That is aggressive and angry. So yeah, of course Max is on the phone to Lacey. It's like, what is going on here? Why are you getting me involved in this? He's like, a gorilla, Lacey. A hot gorilla in my house. I don't understand how he can do this to me. And Lacey says, Uncle Max, look, I told Rick that you'd help him. And he is, oh, he just loves his niece so much. He's, he says, Pumpkin, I have a beautiful life up here just collecting junk. Yes, it does. <laughs> definitely looks like he's got a collection of uh, statues and whatnot. <laughs> he says, I do not need the wild kingdom in my living room. And Lacey tries to reason with Max, saying, Remember how you told me to always do the right thing? That's all he's trying to do. And Max tells her, oh, Yeah, that was a long time ago. I'm, I'm not getting caught up in this one. I'm just, I'm not. So yeah, he's like kind of putting his foot down here. And Max tells her, like, You gotta tell your friend and his sick gorilla. And Lacey lets you sound like, Wait, did you say sick? You gotta hit the road, okay? They they gotta they gotta go. They gotta hit the road. That's just the way it is. And who is this guy? <laughs> this long-haired dude that apparently he's a doctor of sorts. Apparently he couldn't be bothered to put on pants because <laughs> he's like just in his boxers and a button-up shirt, t-shirt, and jacket, and he's got like a EMT bag. Yeah, it's like the emergency's in the living room. Like, what's the big emergency? The emergency's in the living room. <laughs> yeah, the emergency's in the living room if you just go in. And the guy's like, what, another one of your statues lose its arms? Because uh, he's into making statues and whatnot. So, Lacey pleads with Max, like, Uncle Max, trust me, okay, just keep them overnight, okay, just till tomorrow. So yeah, clearly she's going to try to get up there, like, no, I gotta help my friend. And of course... She hears screaming on the other end. Ah! And she's kind of like put the phone away from her ear and look at like, what's going on? The guy does not know that he's there to inspect a sick gorilla. This guy is cowering against the wall. He's like standing on a chair, clutching his EMT bag. Ah! Ah! I'm going to play this because it's just, it's funny. I feel bad for Katie though because she's sick. And she's probably scared of this guy screaming at her. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's sick gorilla, Bob. Are you kidding me? I kid you not. Now, I can't have this ape dying in my house, so you have to do something. Do what? I'm a paramedic. Would you just make pretend it's a person, then she's about the same size? Right. This guy looks familiar like I've seen him in something. She just sneezed, relax. Hey. Hey, you're that kid that's on TV. <coughs> this is 
that stolen gorilla, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know how many people are looking for these two? You guys are famous. You're in a new yeah, pop, pop, TV. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Just fix the gorilla. Fix So yeah, I'm actually can you just fix the gorilla? I can't have it dying in my house, so uh and the fact that the guy recognizes Rick and Katie, like, oh you're the stolen you know, stolen gorilla. You're in the newspapers and TV and all that and and that's like Bob, will you just focus here and help the gorilla just fix the gorilla? I don't want it dying in my house. So and then of course turns out the guy is not just a paramedic he's also the chief of police and Rick turns to Max I thought you said he was a paramedic and <laughs> Max says well it's a small town so don't be a Weisenheimer it's like so this guy's a paramedic and a police officer chief of chief of police wow I'm having a hard time buying that so and he's even saying like I, I, I can't I can't do it I can't do it <laughs> like you did. When he comes in, he's like, you didn't say it was a gorilla. It's like, well, it's just pretend it's a person. It's about the same size. <laughs> so morning time, we go to Lacey's place. Her dad's trying to get the coffee maker going. The news is on. And, of course, the search is, you know, on the news saying search continue for the suspect in this so-called gorilla napping. So-called. So, of course... Lacey tries to make a quick exit, but her father is like, no, you need to get back here and explain what's going on. Like, I recognize that kid. So now they, got, they got his face on the news. So it says that Rick Heller, age 15, has managed to elude police in California and Oregon. So, oh, it says William McKinley High School. Okay, this is not Glee. This is California, but... It says student identification card, Rick Heller, and then it has a student ID number. It says valid from 9394 to 6201995. Wow, they go to school late in the month of June. It also says he's a freshman in high school. So now we go back to Max's cabin and. Katie's in a bathtub filled with bubbles. She's got her Viewmaster, and Rick is just completely blaming himself. He feels horrible. Like if I hadn't just walked away from you, we wouldn't even be in this mess. This is a sweet moment between Rick and Katie, and she shows him through the viewfinder what she's looking at. And it's just, it's the jungle, the green leafery and everything, and she's saying that's home, and he tells her how, you know, she has to make him a promise that she'll get better because. Um, I'm just gonna play it. Because this just, uh, makes me cry.
If you're even thinking about dying to me or anything, just forget it. So, yeah, he, he tells her you have to get better. And if you're thinking of dying on me, just forget it. And she tells him that, you know, you said that you're better off alone. He says, no, I'm not. And he tells her, like, if we get to Canada, it'll just be you and me. From then on. Uh, and, you know, they pinky swear on it. And, uh, of course, now we go back to, uh, Lacey's, and of course her father goes up to her room, and of course she's not there. So she's he's got a couple of you know detectives, officers, whatever, with him. So they ask Lacey's father, did she have any visitors tonight? Any phone calls? And Lacey's father says, yeah, her uncle Max called, and right away it's like, yep, we know where she went. Oh, uh, it looks like Katie's feeling better because now she's raiding the fridge. We got leaf, you know, leaf lettuce on the floor, uh, glass containers on the floor. I don't know what she's eating, whether it's lasagna or leftover spaghetti or something, but, uh, because it's like orange stuff, like, all over the floor. So there's a knock at the door. Rick's, like, trying to push Katie into the fridge, which I don't know how that's going to work. And he's like, Max, Max, there's someone at the door. And he trips over the junk in his house. And he grabs, like, it looks like it could be some type of a walking, homemade walking stick. But he's going to use it to, you know, attack whoever's on the other side of that door. It's Lacey. And Lacey says, could you live any further from the airport? And she kisses him. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, the police show up at uh, Uncle Max's house. And we... Stupid. What's the difference between a flea market and a swap meet? That question again, you know, from the Biff. Well, he'll bring that up again when everyone's, like, taking a recess in court. And it turns out the guy, the paramedic, chief of police, whatever he is, is the only one there. And he starts screaming because the cops have their guns drawn. And I'm going to play this because it's just funny because they're all like where where's the kid where's the gorilla she's like i'm just taking care of the dog i mean i'm taking care of the dog <laughs> like pees on that one dark haired guy in detective's foot the bad dog no good dog <laughs> oh play it for you it's funny Dog. Nobody else here, sir. I hate when that happens. 
I want you to put an APB out for Max Car's truck. I want them found now. Now? Go. Go! Okay, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm not, huh? Yeah, 170. No, it's not good. That's not good. No, I'm not sure I'm not. It's the salt. So we're in Max's truck. It's like pink and white. It looks like an ice cream truck. <laughs> and he's got his statues. And Katie is like covered in like flour or something to like make her for kind of a silvery white. And she's like standing stock still. And Rick looks at her like, Katie, you can relax. We're not there yet. Just calm down. <laughs> yeah, you don't gotta pretend you're a statue. And, of course, Max is saying that Lacey, this is the stupidest idea we've ever had. And she says, excuse me, but I think it was your idea. <laughs> and even Rick's asking, like, are you sure this is going to work? And Max says, no! Any more questions, Mr. Man? <laughs> I like how Max turns around to Katie and says, you should see yourself. You should really see yourself. Incredibly <laughs> are already chasing them. Driscoll County Sheriff. I don't know where that is. So, of course, yeah, it's like, oh man, they got us. They're on to us. And Rick's like, oh, great. And, of course, Uncle Max says, in the immortal words of Jimi Hendrix, excuse me while I kiss this guy. And Lacey's like, Jimmy who? <laughs> like, yeah. Back to his hippie days. And probably went, I'm sure he went to Woodstock. Get out of there. Wait, what? So, 
the police cars say we lost them half a mile from the border. So, okay. So, <laughs> this is the longest train in history, apparently. And they're at, before they were freaking, oh, yeah, oh, and of course, once they do, they get past that train. Like, like, what are the odds, right? And then Katie, like, signs to Rick, and Rick says, no, we can't do it again. Like, <laughs> so Rick comes up with a plan, or at least we don't know that until he goes through a fence with that pink and white truck and hits, like, some weird thing that's got, like, fertilizer that, like, shoots out. Because the cops go after him and then pull him out of there. And they're, like, looking in the van, like, where are the others? And, like, oh, well, I ditched them. So, yeah. And then they're arresting Rick. And he looks over his shoulder and sees Max, Katie, and Lacey, like, going down the railroad tracks. So, basically, they're making their way to Canada. Because they're not very far. Really being rough with Rick, the way they're manhandling. He's like 15. Come on. He didn't have a bank. He just... <sighs> so, yeah, we see Max, Kate, uh, Max, Katie, and Lacey. And it says Canada-U.S. border. So they're pretty much just about there. But the thing is, I mean, if those cops even looked in that direction, they would see them as well. But they have Katie all dressed up in clothes, so that way she would kind of look like a person kind of hobbling along. <laughs> Rick's wearing a white John Deere hat. And a big blue denim oversized jacket. So, yeah, we do see that people are... I don't know whether they're outside the courthouse. They're holding signs that say, let the kid go. They're selling t-shirts for $17 a pop. Of Katie the Gorilla. But yeah, and one person's wearing a sign that says, free Rick. There's even pictures of, yeah, there's t-shirts. One that's got Rick's, like, student ID photo. And the other one is a photo of Katie. So clearly people are trying to make money off this. Oh, they're outside the uh, the jail. Okay, I was going to say. So, yeah, Margaret is waiting for Rick in the visitor's center of the jail. So, yeah, she takes him in her arms and she hugs him. Like, oh, my baby boy is home. Uh, and now we hear how the DA has offered Rick the following deal if he gives up Katie. Like, where her whereabouts are. This is where Alan Ruck comes in, who played Cameron Ferris Bueller. Also, it's like he's wearing the same, he's got the same kind of side part as his character in um, the movie Speed. Uh, and his character's name here is Dan Woodley. So, apparently Rick would plead guilty to reduce charges, and they agreed to probation and set a time in a youth facility. So yeah, basically like, you'll just get probation and you won't have to go to a youth facility. And he says to Rick, like, you walk out of here a free man. And Rick is like, he's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to tell you where Katie is, so don't even ask me. Of course, Rick would have to tell them where the gorilla is and she'll go back to Charlie. Are you serious? So you're going to give... Yeah, they're treating Katie like she's a piece of property. Like, she'll go back and continue to get abused by this guy by being chained up in a cage. Being gawked at by strange people. Come on. Even I, I mean, you must know that that's not right. 
I would be bringing that guy up on charges for animal cruelty and abuse. And Rick's like, can you believe this dork? And Margo's like, just, just hear him out. Like, I'd be like, um, I don't like what he has to say. I'm not gonna listen. He's got nothing that he's saying is anything that I want to do, so. This guy, oh my gosh, he does not know how to, and he's wearing a bow tie, he's got, I can see why Rick calls him dorkish, because he's wearing a bow tie, and he's got glasses, like, trust me on this one, Ricky, can I call you Ricky? And Rick says, no. <laughs> he says, okay, trust me on this one, Rick. <laughs> he says, in a perfect world, things might be different, but it is, <laughs> things might be different, but it isn't. Well, duh. He says, and this isn't a perfect world. This is California. And as your dork, I have to tell you, I mean, as your attorney, I have to tell you, as your lawyer, I have to tell you that plea bargain is the only way. Rick says, I'm not pleading for anything or telling him where Katie is. Forget it. And Mr. Woodley looks to Margaret as Mrs. Heller, and she says, mm, don't look at me. Like, I'm not a part of this. Just here for my son. So, he tells Rook, you know you could be looking at time in a youth house, possibly years. Really? I mean, I get in a way he did break the law, but. And he asks Rick, is the, is the gorilla worth that to you? And he nods. He says, yeah. instead of time in a youth facility and you walk out of here a free man of course you have to tell them where the gorilla is and she will have to be returned to mr charlie but here's what we can do can you believe this dork look i'm not gonna just hear him trust me on this one ricky can i call you ricky no okay trust me on this one rick in a perfect world things might be different but this isn't a perfect world this is california and as your dork i have to tell you I mean, as your lawyer, I have to tell you that a plea bargain is the only way. I'm not pleading for anything, and I'm not going to tell him where Katie is so you can just forget it. Mrs. Heller, you understand that you could be looking at time in the youth house, possibly years. Is the grill worth that to you? So we're in the courtroom. And Charlie's lawyer gets up there and he starts, you know, talking about Rick being, he's like, oh, it's a very simple case. Um, we have a rebellious teenager here with, of course, several arrests to his record. So, yes, of course, Rick looks down because he knows he's, he's, he's guilty as far as that. It's like, dude, he could have been, you know, you're not supposed to be driving at 14. There's a reason for it. But when you're, like, having the cops chase you around and everything like that, you're calling attention to yourself. So, of course, you're going to be getting arrested. It's like, dude, do you not know that stuff is going to follow you wherever you go, no matter how old you are? Yeah. But then again, this Charlie guy is, like, out for blood. Like, yeah, he even threatened to Margaret. Like, I got to put your kid away for a long time. Charlie's lawyer says, you know, the people agree this is basically an open and shut case of grand theft is the last thing he adds. Breaking and entering and grand theft. So basically since, although Rick honestly didn't technically break in, he stayed until the store closed, but... Yeah, he did take Katie that, sadly, she is just referred to as, you know, property of 
you know, Charnley, which is just sad. It's like, no, she is, has feelings as well. I hate this guy. I hate this lawyer of Charnley's. He is a massive jerk, especially when, spoiler alert, Katie does show up, Lacey, and Max bring her. I guess she wanted to be with Rick, which shouldn't have brought her there to the courtroom, but they decide to put her on the stand, and just the questioning, and they were able to get a sign language interpreter, but just the way that Charlie's lawyer is just questioning, just being aggressive and loud and shouting, and it's just like, dude, I get you're trying to do your job, but calm down. So now... Charlie is on the stand. He's being cross-examined by Rick's lawyer, and Rick's lawyer is asking, Mr. Charmley, were you aware that Katie knew sign language? And, of course, Charlie is like, oh, well, I saw her point to a couple things. Big deal. And Rick's lawyer says, did you know that she has a vocabulary of over a thousand words? And Charlie's just trying to be a comedian. He's like, then how come I never heard her complain? Audiences are idiots. Or whoever these people are that are sitting, you know, whether they're reporters or whoever, they're like, shut up. This guy is an animal abuser. And you think it's funny. I'm sure she complained a lot, not only in sign language, but through her actions. It is cruel to keep an animal like that. That is not captivity. That is plain cruelty. You're basically keeping her in a cement box with bars. And plastic glass windows. Oh, oh, this is where Rick starts coloring that picture in of him and Katie on the beach. And I'm just like, I love this picture is gorgeous. It is, I love, like, the, the little bit of, yeah, the purple pink, and then the yellow underneath, and then the sun setting, and then the water, and this, you know, yellowish for sand and stuff. It just, I really like it. That's why I got confused earlier. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He hasn't colored it in. That comes on later. So Rick's lawyer brings up Bobo, and the guy's like, hey, uh, Charlie's like, hey, be careful what you say about the Bob. And Rick's lawyer asks, well, wasn't he usually withdrawn and depressed? Charlie, again, is, like, making a joke about it. Like, it's no big deal. It's like, what are you talking about? Depressed? Yeah, I sent him to a shrink twice a week. <sighs> the audience, again, like, chuckles at that. Like, you people are, ugh, mindless drones. So, and Charlie's seeing how... The Bob was a happy gorilla. He loved kids. He lived happy. He died happy. No, he died in pain. In constant pain because he had a heart murmur. Because you weren't going to do what you could to help him, which would be release him so he could get medical care. And Charlie adds, which is more than I can say for how many other, how many other animals end up. In labs and whatnot. Charlie says, as a matter of fact, and I don't mind saying this, I shed a tear when he croaked. 
Yeah, because you probably realized you that's why you took Katie. Because you needed another gorilla for your flea market, your disgusting looking flea market. And mind you, he's looking at the judge the whole time while he's saying this, like trying to get sympathy. Like this, what he's been doing with these gorillas and using them for, to make money. Like, that is not okay. And Charmley says, in a choked up voice, I'm not the bad guy here, Mr. Woodley. Your client is. Really? Really? He's the bad guy. He's the one who can see what you were doing is wrong and wanted to help her because she doesn't belong in a cage. And if I'm being honest, she doesn't really belong at their research facility either. She should be back with in, in, in the wild where she was. So, of course, Mr. Woodley, Rick's lawyer, says no more questions, Your Honor. Now, Rick's mom is on the stand, and she is being um, questioned by Charmley's lawyer. And the first thing he asks is, Ms. Heller, is it a crime for an animal to live in captivity? And Rick's mom says, well, it depends on what kind of animal. And the lawyer says, no, I'm asking you, is it a crime? And she says, no. And he says, don't animal, he asks, don't animals live in captivity in zoos all over the world? Are you honestly trying to describe the conditions of which Bobo and Kitty were kept? You're trying to compare that to a zoo enclosure. Really? Really? And the uh, Charlie's lawyer brings up, are they not on display for mankind and often for their own protection? And Rick's mom, you know, Margaret's saying, but that's a very different situation. And then here comes Charlie's lawyer asking, why should this gorilla be any different? First of all, the enclosure is made of cement blocks. And the majority of the time, the curtains on those plastic glass windows are closed. So... They're shrouded in darkness. Who, animal or human, would want to be in a cement, a cold cement box? Sorry. Shrouded in darkness. Hours upon hours during the day, only to have light come in for maybe like a half hour, like every few hours or so anyone human or animal that would ever want anything like that so he asks her why should this gorilla be in your cage instead of Gus Charnley's I mean because yes if you look at it Katie is still in a cage whether she's in Charnley's or in Margaret's setup at the you know research facility and everything like that where she is doing a study on gorillas' intelligence and sign language and everything. But, I mean, 100%. I mean, Kitty would honestly be better off with Margaret than Charlie, 100%. And Margaret says because Kitty is special, she can communicate. And Margaret says, I mean, I believe she can even distinguish between the difference between right and wrong. I don't say why this guy's even got it, Anna. He's just a cruel, uh, 
Stroke, just a jerk. I do not like Charlie's lawyer. He is honestly no different than Charlie himself. Because he's like comparing his dog to the intelligence of a gorilla. Like, oh yeah, my dog knows it's wrong to pee on the carpet. Does that not mean he shouldn't be fenced in my backyard? That gets a lot. This. Whoever these people are sitting in the, um. The, um, um, um courtroom there, they, they will laugh at anything. And Margaret says, your dog only knows what you've trained him to know. And, but the, even, although the thing with that, though, yes, Katie is very intelligent, but she didn't come out of the womb knowing sign language, though. You had to teach her that. So really, she's only going to know what you've taught her as well. I'm not comparing Katie to that man's dog. But, and Margaret says, what I'm saying is that gorillas can make a moral distinction on their own. So, basically, now it kind of goes into the questioning of Margaret's, she says, my study was interrupted, my, my study with Katie was interrupted, because Charlie took her back. And then the lawyer, which is just information that he got from Charlie, says, oh, well, your lawyer didn't renew your lease with Katie because he didn't feel that she, she was making any progress. And Margaret's trying to say before the lawyer cuts her off, saying, yes or no, yes or no, was she not making any progress? No, and she's saying that he didn't understand what she's doing as far as the research and how, you know, important it is and everything like that. He... So, Margaret just says yes. But, uh, uh, and he's like, oh, ah, I have no further questions, Your Honor. This guy is a jerk. I wouldn't want him representing me. So, all of a sudden, there's a commotion outside of the courtroom. Max says, I'll break this thing over your head if you don't move back. So, everyone, yeah, Max opens the sliding doors to the courtroom, and there's Katie. And everybody is scrambling to get away from her. It's like, you're nowhere near her. She's not going to hurt anybody. She's a killer. Oh, yeah. And not helping. Oh, she is over in Pugs, So, Rick, of course, when he sees Lacey, he's like, why did you bring her here? And Lacey says, but it, it was Katie's idea. And Rick says, well, it was a dumb idea. Now, thanks to you, Charlie's going to get her. So, now we see the judge in the judge court, whatever you call him, and we got... Mr. Woodley and Mr. whatever Charlie's lawyer's name is. Woodley wants, to, yeah, she's like, I let me get this straight. You want me to put a gorilla on the stand? And Mr. Woodley's like, yeah, we can get a sign language interpreter here. I think that she deserves to be able to share her side. I, I honestly think so, too. I really think so, just to prove just 
how the study has, has really worked and helped improve, you know, and just show everybody she is intelligent. She has feelings and she can express them. sign language interpreter here in 15 minutes she should have the chance to prove that she has a high level of intelligence and should not be kept as a curiosity at a flea market yes you know, this is ridiculous shut up I mean, sir. this gorilla can't possibly add anything to the defense that hasn't already been established well then you shouldn't have any objections should you yeah really <laughs> so they have katie on the stand they do have her in leather straps that are they have um, locks on them and everything to kind of keep her. And they got these metal chains. We got a like a person on either side just keeping her restrained and everything. And um, the sign language interpreter is interpreting, you know, can you tell me your name? What's your name? I think it's Woodley that's doing the questioning. So, And I can imagine, yeah, Katie is scared. She doesn't know why she's being restrained like that. She doesn't know where she is. And she's just refusing to answer. That is until... Yes, the M&M's make a comeback. And Rick is trying to get Katie's attention. And he tosses an M&M and she catches it in her mouth. You know, to try to help her be a little more cooperative. Like, hey, come on, just... Here you go, here's an M&M, just answer the questions. Your name, please? Yeah. Tell us your name. Come on, tell us your name. You're shaking her head like, no. Katie, right? <laughs> Okay, shut up, guy. You're in. Yeah, yeah. Give it a minute. Your Honor, please. She's scared. She's disoriented. Exactly. And we have to remember that this must be as odd for her as it is for us. So if we could just give her a moment to relax. There we go. The damn man. I'm hungry. Shut up, guy. Now will you tell us your name? Interpreter is surprised. Katie Gorilla. Katie Gorilla. Good. <laughs> Do you know how to tell the truth, Katie? Do you promise to answer truthfully the questions that we ask you? <laughs> Katie, good girl. What does Katie love? Love hug Rick. Aww. Rick, take good care, Katie. What does Katie hate? Man with no hair. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Put Katie in prison. 
prison? Cole there. No Rick. Katie want out. Thank you, Katie. You're with us. So I honestly like how Mr. Woodley is being kind with Katie and just saying, like, because the judge is ready to just throw on the show, like, this isn't going anywhere. And Woodley says, the lawyer, Rick's lawyer says, look, just give her a minute. She's scared. She's disoriented. Just give her a moment. So, of course, Rick pulls out the M&Ms and Katie immediately starts sniffing the air. And he, like, he said, hey, right in her mouth. So, um, yeah. She is able to answer questions to say, her name's Katie Gorilla. Asking Katie, what does Katie love? And Katie, you know, says she loves Rick. He takes good care of Katie. And, of course, when she first said, you know, her name, Katie Gorilla, the look on the interpreter's face is he is, like, astonished. Like, oh, wow. So, and of course, like, what does Katie hate? Man with no hair. And just keep, you know, she says how, you know, he keeps me in a prison. It's cold there. No Rick. Rick's not there. Katie wants out. So, of course, now we got a Mr. Jerkface here. Charmley's lawyer is going to cross-examine, and he is, he is, he gets too aggressive, yelling at her with the questions, and just, ugh. And Katie can sense, like, this guy is a jerk. What we are seeing here is nothing more than a clever parlor trick. Oh, shut up. This animal has been trained and coached to respond in certain ways to play on your sympathies. It is not worthy of this court, Your Honor, Honor to continue your Honor, charade, Your Honor, and the prosecutor is making a speech. Yeah. Address your questions to the witness, Mr. Price, not the court. Yeah, really. Very well, Your Honor. Uh, Katie? Your trainer says that you know the difference between right and wrong. Well, let's see. Is it right to have rules? Rules, good. Is it wrong to break the rules? Bad. Trouble. Did Rick break the rules when he took you? Is, is it right for Rick to break the rules or is it wrong? Katie, good gorilla. Is it right to steal something that does not belong to you or is it right only if Rick does it? Come on, come on, answer the question! Dude. Yes or no? Calm down. Get her to answer the question. Answer the question. Answer the question. Look at this being so aggressive. Katie don't know right or wrong. <clears throat> I didn't think so. Wrong. 
this wrong. Yes, it is. Oh, the picture on the beach. Right. Yeah, she does. She needs to be free. lawyer Mr. Price goes up there starts aggressively questioning Katie talking about right and wrong and is it, is it only wrong if or is it right to take things that don't belong to you or is it only okay if Rick does it and she's not answering the question and he's even yelling at the sign language interpreter like get her to, the, to answer the question like dude so, she admits she doesn't know right from wrong. And, of course, Mr. Price is like, I didn't think so. No further questions, Your Honor. And then as he turns his back, Katie is, mo you know, motioning with siding with her hands. And the interpreter interprets as she says, Katie feels right and wrong. And Mr. Price is just uh, floored, like, oh, my God. And... So he tells the judge, you know, uh, the, jur the the people rest, Your Honor. So, well, because <clears throat> she even says that is wrong, pointing to the picture of that little prison area. And But then she's pointing at Rick, who has his drawing, and he holds it up. She says that is right, and it's a picture of... You know, her and Rick walking on the beach where she's free and everything. That's what she wants, and that's honestly what she should have. And everyone is cheering and applauding at this, which well-deserved, definitely. So, <laughs> old Biff Cop there finally gets this question answered. Between what's the difference between a flea market and a swap meet. And Charlie is like, well, a swap meet is where you trade things. A flea market is where you buy and sell. He's even bringing up, oh, at yard sales, anything can happen. Like, oh, so now we're going to get the verdict because uh, um, the bailiff or whoever says, all right, everybody rise. And Max <laughs> takes a sip from his thermos. And then he goes to stand up. And then as like, oh, you may all be seated. So he's standing there. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> all right, let's hear the verdict here. Yeah, sit down, Max. Will the defendant please rise? In the case of the people versus Richard Heller, I find the defendant guilty of breaking and entering. Yeah. I sentence Richard Heller to 200 hours of community service. And he will not be eligible for a driver's license until the age of 21. However, it is the ruling of this court that because of Katie's extraordinary abilities <laughs> and her relationship with the defendant and Mr. Charnley's poor record of animal care. There we go. Richard Heller is now the court-appointed guardian of Katie. <laughs> yes! Thank you!
way she kisses Rip. Okay, come on. Alright, so the judge does rule it. Yes, Rick is guilty of breaking and entering. However, they do take into account Charlie's record of poor animal care, and they do make Rick the court-appointed legal guardian of Katie. So, ah, just so amazing. <laughs> and, um, understandably so, yes. Um, he's got to do 200 hours community service, and Rick will not be eligible for a driver's license until 21. That's seven years. That's, like... <laughs> Five years longer than you originally would have had to wait. So, yeah, all right. And then, of course, we have the newscaster who is kind of letting us know how everything played out and what's in store for Katie and Rick. Looks like they're going on a little trip. A stunning defeat here today for flea market owner Gus Charlie and a surprising victory for young Rick Heller, who's been awarded custody of the remarkable gorilla. Rick, his mom Margaret, and Katie will now be heading to Hawaii to participate in a seminar on primate intelligence. Good luck, Katie. Hurry back. So, Rick and I'm listen, this guy's like a wildlife preserve worker. Um, we see Katie with two other gorillas, and she's trying to sign to them, and the wildlife preserve guy says, she's been trying to sign to those two ever since she got here, and Rick said, yeah, she's trying to tell them that the bananas are good. <laughs> so yeah, that's why they went to Hawaii, because of, um, a primary, uh, research study seminar, so I like that Margaret gets to finally show off the knowledge that she has gained through working with Katie, and the wildlife reserve guy says, we've studied a lot of primates, and Katie is by far the smartest I've, e I've ever seen, and the guy says, maybe too smart, and Rick kind of looks at him like, oh, what do you mean? And he says, I don't think she knows she's a gorilla. <laughs> she has been trying to sign to those two ever since she got here. Yeah, she's trying to tell them that the bananas are good. We've studied a lot of primates here over the years. Katie's the smartest I've ever seen. Maybe too smart. What do you mean? I don't think she knows she's a gorilla. So, yeah, Margaret is giving her seminar. Rick kind of peeks into uh, the auditorium while she's doing, uh, while she's giving her speech. She's showing pictures of, yeah, so uh, she's showing uh, pictures of Katie while she's giving her her speech at the seminar. And Rick kind of peek, pops into the auditorium. So now it looks like everyone's getting ready to go home, go back to um, California. And, you know, Katie's in the back of, you know, she's in a very large cage in the back of a truck. And, yeah, Rick makes a really hard choice here. And it, oh my goodness, this is, it, it hurts.
having you guys here. I hope you bring Katie back someday. Thanks for having us, Jack. Martin. Okay, his name is Jack. More Kitty out. Look, Mom, I want to leave Katie here. For how long? Jack, is that okay with you? Sure. Sure, we'd be glad to have her here. decision and the fact that I think what Jack had said about how Katie being so smart that she doesn't know maybe doesn't know that she's a gorilla and when they get ready to go Rick lets Katie out and he tells his mom he's like mom I want to leave Katie here and Margaret asks well, how for how long and he says forever and he tells Katie, like, Katie, you're going to stay here with Jack. And he says, I know I said that it would always be you and me. And he also brings up the fact, like, that um, this is where Katie belongs, you know, not in the lab, not in a cage here so she can be free. And he, he, he's crying. Rick's crying. He says, you know, I'd stay here with you if I could, but you gotta go be a gorilla, and I gotta go be a kid. And Kitty runs off. She's upset. Rick's upset. And, you know, they're driving along. And we see Katie kind of, you know, running over the grassy hills and stuff, kind of going after the truck. And Rick sees her, and he's like, Katie, Katie! And then he's telling Jack, like, stop the truck, stop, stop the truck. And he goes over to her, and they run to each other, and, and they hug, and she asks the question, you know, are you a dad? And Rick asks, am I a dad now? What does that mean? And she says, go away, never come back. And he says, I will come back for you, I promise. And they hug and he cries and it just, oh, breaks my heart. This kid is a good actor.
dad now? What does that mean? Yeah, they, um, they hug, and it's sweet, and, you know, he's just, he's crying, and he's like, yeah, my eyes are wet now, and, oh, and he says, I will come back and see you again, I promise, and he says, Katie, home now, and they hug, and then he gets back in the, in the truck, and, um, they pull away, and Katie's kind of following, and this really amazing song that I just love, just, is like, even though I don't like charity on my Sunday, that, this is kind of what that is, it is a beautiful song about, you know, just saving the earth, and the trees, and the children, and everything, and it's just so sweet, and this movie, oh, this was such a good ending. The movie I hope that you enjoyed it I really enjoyed covering it I have not watched this movie in years but it was always a particular favorite of mine when it, when it comes to animal movies they just 
oh, I just, I love him so much. The bond between a human and, and, and an animal, it's just, it's so sweet and beautiful. And like I said, I wanted to release this movie for Earth Day, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a great rest of the April, of April, and have a great weekend. Bye-bye.